Hey guys, welcome back to another ep- oh, pff, fuck. Fuck it, hey guys, we'll do it live! Hey guys, episode of Nick and Ma- Twice! <laughs> Twice <laughs> no. you've interrupted me trying to do this intro. I Whatever, didn't interrupt guys, you the we're first back. time. Nick and Manny's Infinite Podcast. Yes, you did. <laughs> no, you said go, and then literally maybe a half a second later you're already going into, hey guys. And then you slipped up. Oh yeah. And then I made a Bill O'Reilly joke. No, I didn't slip up. I heard you and I said, alright, I'm gonna what did stop I say? this and try again. You said go. Yeah, at the same time you said go. At the no, same I time I heard you go, in my ear. You, at the second. same time you said go, I said go. That's the Discord delay, I suppose. But I said go as soon as I heard you in my ear. <laughs> Harley said, try what's up, gangsters. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> uh, guys. We're back. Another episode of Nick Manny's Infinite Podcast. Nick, did you hear me say it this time? Did you hear me say the name of the show this time? I believe he said Nicky Manny's Infinite Podcast. I'm pretty sure I heard those words out of his mouth this time. Thank you. The last two episodes, you've just been like, I don't think you said the title. And I'm like, I have said it every single time. Yeah, I wasn't even consciously waiting for it this time, but I did make a mental note of it when I heard it. And then you said it like two or three more times because we had to try and open like three times just now. Yes, it, it's been rough. It's also been rough not talking to you, bud. We've talked, just not just not here on the air. When was the last time we talked in a voice call? Was it was it Minecraft? I guess which was like a week and a half ago now. Oh yeah, Minecraft, which was like a week and a half ago. That's yeah. right. We did last Saturday. I had a busy week last week, in fairness. I don't know what I was doing last week. We had discussed maybe doing a commentary last week with a guest and then all that fell through. And then my evenings were mostly taken up, so just didn't do anything last week, which I feel bad about because my goal is to give everybody a piece of content every week of some capacity. And last week didn't have anything. Yeah, which happens. Yeah. But we're back today and we'll have a commentary for next week, probably since everyone's leaving me to go to WangerCon. There's a bunch of people or like a few people in that group that are not going, including you. Yes. Oh yeah, Jay yeah. says it. Uh, but, Jay says last week's content would have been the Halo video if I was on schedule from the last post, which I did not finish today. Like I said, I was going to. I've got, I've got like <laughs> I posted this morning. I was like the narrative. Okay, I he was making not. good time. Here's what happened. A little bit of beside. Be, let's try that again. A little bit of behind the scenes for you. I was making good time, and then Elena messaged me and someone else from WingerCon saying that we had to help out with planning. So I spent a good two hours looking into stuff. Uh, restaurants and stuff trying to plan out the weekend and that slowed me down i would have been able to maybe finish it today if i if i really went went for it you could probably finish it after the show no no this is where nick hits us with the bugs bunny going no no (laughs) after work hours i do not do any editing folks i just turn that off turn that part of my brain all the way off you don't like editing at like 1 a.m 1 or 2 a.m no maybe that's just the college part of me yeah if i need if i if i need to i will but this is a person these are all personal projects that i needed to Mm. it was just like this seems like the best time to do it i don't know why i like sort of when everyone's gone to sleep and i can just sit in a room alone with a lamp on and just go to town yeah i i don't even remember if i ever stayed up that late editing anything there was one oh yeah yeah i don't know if it was 1 a.m late but i uh 
went through the entirety of Attack of the Clones and recut it to try and get rid of all the cringy stuff. This was like four or five years ago. And, uh, what'd you have like 30 seconds, 30 seconds of actual movie. <laughs> yeah. It, it's the crawl and some of the score and the credits that that was the movie. Yeah. I think I cut it down by like 10 minutes, tried to make it into something that still made sense, but I cut out a lot of Anakin and Padme. Herman says some of his best editing happens at like three in the morning. I never even stay up that late to be honest with you. That was the latest I stayed up for editing specifically was 3 a.m. I've done like all-nighters and 24-hour, like I'm staying up for like 26, 27 hours before. But <laughs> for editing, I believe it was 3 a.m. And then I just fell asleep. And then I woke up and dragged myself to bed. Yeah, I've never done that. But I've never had like hard deadlines on stuff. Like I've had deadlines before, but nothing so pressing that it's like I need to stay up all night to work on this. Very rarely have I been like, oh, I need to pull an all-nighter. Like I said, I'll stay up till 2 a.m. or something like that, and then I'll wake up early the next morning to finish it off. But I was never one of those people. I stayed up all night working on this. could never be me. Yeah. I need my sleep. Me too. Speaking of sleep, we're going to talk about this right now. That was a thing earlier that I set a reminder for to talk about. Because you and I randomly one night last week, or the week before, just started talking about sleep <laughs> yeah, and, okay. and sleep schedules and stuff. So... I made a note. We're going to talk about this on the show. So we're going to get into this right now because you gave me such a perfect segue. We actually have an update on the sleep run as far as, you're, as far as you go that you told us earlier today. You want to inform the viewers about that. About the what? Oh, yeah. So as you know, I am in school. I have one semester left. We got an apartment today. We signed the lease. I will be sleeping from the months of August to December on an air mattress because it's hard out here. For a student. <laughs> I was wondering how you were going to finish that sentence. But yeah, I'll be sleeping on an air mattress for five months uh, coming up. So that's going to be fun. Yeah, I never ran into this issue in school. I wasn't thinking about it. For some reason, I was thinking that you were still in school housing, which I was always in, either in a dorm or in a, or in a campus apartment. So my bed was always provided. So I didn't have to worry about moving a bed, which you would have to worry about. So I didn't think about that before. Yeah, you know, I would be sleeping on a school bed, a school provided bed. But um, here's the thing, the recent chancellor before this one, she got so many students in that they can't house everyone, uh, mm. like upperclassmen or anything like that. So all of the upper class housing where I was living is now going to be only freshmen. Huh. Because they have so many incoming freshmen. They have so many incoming freshmen. And then not just that, but where I go to school, there is very little housing, like, available to actually stay in. And housing that is there is expensive just because. Because it's a small town that's a lot of, like, local stuff and it ups the price of stuff. I don't know. It's really stupid. The cost of living there is not attainable for a college student, really. So we were lucky to get an apartment period because everyone was already full so i'm taking what i can get the issue with that is that i'm only there for the next five months and i don't live there because i live four hours away mm -hmm. i don't have a car so it's really just they bring me up i stay up here and then that's that so i don't really have a car to do that uh we don't really want to pay for storage if i'm not going to be there it really just doesn't make sense yeah. to get like a futon 
when I'm only going to be there for a couple months. Yeah, it's just it's just one of those things. I had to not the exact same situation, but freshman year when I stayed in my dorm, we were going to uh, I think I had a recliner in my room at home and I wasn't able to bring it bring it to college because I didn't have the space in the dorm room. So I sat in a lawn chair that entire school year uh, because we couldn't fit a recliner in the dorm room. And then as soon as sophomore year rolled around, I had an apartment with a bigger room that was all for myself that I could move it in. We also had a truck to do that stuff with and two, two SUVs, I think. So it all worked out. Yeah. Whereas we have a, like my mom just has like a sports car. My dad has a car that barely makes it up and doesn't fit everything. Mm -hmm. And then I have my truck, which is old and broken yeah uh, you know it's, it it'll make trips but it won't make that trip so trying to handle everything to get up there and then back or not take too much stuff because we don't want to leave and all that stuff is really stupid yep so it's just easier to live on an air mattress and yeah. call it a day for the next five months and even then it's like I'll live on an air mattress and I'm just taking and I have to take my desk with me. So I'll break this down mm -hmm. and then take that up there because there's no furnishing because we love that when apartments don't come furnished and you're there for five months. And I, I really just hate it. So, yeah, next month is just going to be me and my computer and probably my series us. And that's it. That's all I'm taking with me. Outside of clothes. obviously. Oh, OK. But... OK. Yeah, good. You're not walking through campus no. naked. That's good clothes but like i'm not taking movies or anything like that it, like i usually would i would take mm -hmm. movies or board games or anything like that it's just gonna be my computer for work and then my xbox is my leisure yeah yeah i took again we had multiple vehicles and we only lived an hour away but i took probably more stuff than i actually needed up with me to school but like, I still had all the stuff that I wanted. I took all my movies every school year. I took all my games. I took my TV, and then my ever-increasing number of consoles went with me. Like, I... Sort of the opposite of that. But also, I knew I'd be there for a whole school year. You know you're only going to be there for a couple months. Yep. And if it was, um, like, living on school uh, apartments and stuff, then I would probably take a little bit more. But because I know it's five months, I'm like, okay... I don't need to take these things <clears throat> with me. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to take what's what I need. And then uh, there's already stuff in the storage unit. So I'm going to send a bunch of that back down. That way, when they come get me in December with my diploma, I will just take very little this time. Mm -hmm. But anyways, we were talking about sleep. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where to start. I just knew we wanted to talk about sleep. How did we start talking about sleep? I think we're talking about, like, schedules or what time we go to bed or something like that. Uh, something like that. It was probably, I was pretty sure I said something and you thought I should have been in bed by then and I wasn't. It was how I'm going to guess that started. But I'm going to look it up here on the Discord while Maybe. we talk. Because I'm curious now. He's going to look it up there. Steph says Ikea delivers. Steph, I'm there for five months and then coming <laughs> back down. It's not worth it to buy furniture for five months and then try to sell it off which is going to be a hassle trying to relet my apartment, which is going to be a hassle as well. So it's not going to be great and trying to pay off house or, you know, housing and school is not going to be fun either. Cause those are also 
more money. Yeah. And I'm going to hate it. Yep. I turned all that, or I just put all that stuff in as part of my loans and said, I'll get to that another time. And I still haven't had to get to that yet because they keep getting deferred. Yeah, we already took out loans. Yeah. And we didn't want to. Okay, I found it in the Discord. It was a week ago, and I said, I've stayed up so late that the, thunder, that the thunderstorms have begun, which will prevent me from falling asleep. And then that, that got the ball rolling. You, you're like, oh, you're, you're a light sleeper, huh? I don't think I'm a light sleeper. I think it's just if there's noise like that or the flashing of the lightning, it makes it hard for me to fall asleep. I can usually stay asleep easily enough. Yeah, because in some ways that makes it easier for me to sleep. It's like an audio and a visual distraction to me when I hear thunder or I see lightning, like lightning flashing. Which I guess is different for me because I'm falling asleep to TV all the time. Like, that's just how I sleep. I need to have something visual going and then something auditory going so that I can just turn my head and fall asleep eventually. So, you know, recently for me, it's been falling asleep to How I Met Your Mother. But even if it was just like, oh, the power went out and because of a thunderstorm, I would still be able to fall asleep to that very easily. That does not phase me in any way, shape, or form. Definitely not the case for me. For one, I can't have a TV or anything on. I have to, it has to be pretty much pitch black. Um, I have a fan on both for, I need to feel air blowing on my face and also I need, consi- like, Background noise, that's consistent, so it like, sounds the same the whole time. If if it sounds different, like if like rain can pick up, it can get louder or it can be quieter. Like The inconsistency in that sort of distracts me, but if it's consistent white noise in the background, that helps me sleep as well. I, if the power is out, I, sort of, I can't really sleep that well when it's silent like that either. Hmm, interesting. I can, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I've slept in a lot of different places. I can fall asleep to a lot of stuff because a lot of college was me falling asleep to nothingness because it would be me and my roommate and I didn't want to disturb them. Mm. So it'd be falling asleep to other people's noise now next to us or whatever. Or I would put on headphones and just fall asleep that way. But even without that, you know, when I'm over in Puerto Rico or Mexico, it's just silence, and that's just how you fall asleep. And in some cases, it's worse for me to fall asleep when it's dead silent, Mm -hmm. because I think a lot more, which keeps my mind going, so I don't fall asleep. Yeah. But I have done it. Like, I'll just fall asleep to nature or whatever, depending on where I am. So that really doesn't bother me yeah i can fall asleep eventually if it's like total silence if the power's out and stuff i can but it's just not it's not ideal it will take me longer because i'll feel warmer because there's no air blowing and it'll also just be silence which i'm not used to that's why if i'm staying at someone's house and all they have is a ceiling fan sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't it's usually it's dependent on how loud the fan is because usually it feels cool enough but the sound sometimes isn't enough so weird how how some people are pickier than others. Yeah, but, but you also can't nap. Whereas I can nap. I I will get home after I don't know. Like let's say today, for instance, we went out to lunch. When we were on the car ride back to the back to work, I was about to fall asleep. I could have just easily have fallen asleep in the warehouse and gone on with my day and been ter- poked. Wow, and been totally fine. Mm -hmm. But even like here at home, if I wake up 
and let's say I go get breakfast or I just go hang out downstairs for a little bit, I can come back on, put on a movie or YouTube or something like that, hit my pillows, I'm asleep. I am fast asleep. Hmm. And there was something I was going to say about that too. And now I don't remember. Oh, remember how many times I tried to watch the French Dispatch? Uh And every time it would be the middle of the day and I would just fall asleep because that's just how my my body works yeah i can't do that it's for me napping is a no because it's harder it's not impossible but it's harder for me to fall asleep if it's light outside so if there's any light coming in then that makes it difficult if it's like say seven o'clock in the morning and i and i am not supposed to be awake yet if it's like a weekend or whatever and there's light outside i can usually fall back asleep because i'm still groggy but if i'm awake for too long and it's light outside i'm just awake and that's kind of that's just kind of how it is. And if my alarm goes off and I'm up for the day, then I am up for the day. I am not falling back asleep until I go to bed that night. I think a lot of it for me is that once I reach that point where I'm like, I'm up for the day, then if I try and, I guess, simulate through the day with sleep, then I feel like I'm wasting my day and I could be more productive with that time. So I just stay awake. And usually... All my all my tiredness is gone by lunchtime, I would say. So if it's like a late afternoon nap or whatever, I don't feel tired at that time. I don't really feel tired again until it's close to bedtime. It's usually the first couple hours after I wake up in the morning, I'm tired. And then around the time I go to bed, I'm tired. But in between, I'm not usually really tired. So I don't usually feel the need to nap. The last time I napped, I think, was like five years ago. when I ha- And it was because I was sick. I had like a really bad stomach bug. So I was trying to sleep through all the feelings of having to puke. And that was the last time I napped, and it was only for like an hour. I can't even think of the last time before that that I voluntarily napped. It was probably at least a good 10 years ago, if not more. Weird. I napped maybe two or three weeks ago. Hmm. It's just weird. Because there are just times when you need to nap. And for me, it doesn't affect me to where I'm like, all right, now I have to stay up until this cycle. I'll stay up a little bit longer than usual. Maybe I'll stay up until two or three, but that's fine with my body mm. and then I'll just go back to sleep and be totally fine. I don't really get the whole not productive thing, but that's just difference in the way our brains work. Harley says I've napped just to avoid dealing with the heat during the daytime. That is also fair. To me, that would still be dealing with the heat because if it's warm, I'm going to struggle to fall asleep. So that's just, that's just how it would be for me. I think it would still be a struggle for me to sleep. So at that point I would just try and get through it. But that's me. I I was going to say, exceptions to the rule for me are when I am in somewhere, like if I'm in a car or in a plane, if I am somewhere where I can't get out, like if I'm on a long car ride with someone or if I'm on a flight, I'll I'll nap on those, especially if it's like a red-eye flight really early in the morning or really late at night. I'll nap during that, or if it's a long car ride, I'll nap in the passenger seat or whatever. That's the exception that Mm. I make. If I'm at home, I don't just lay down in my bed or or uh, sit back in my recliner and nap. I just don't do that. Gotcha. No, I could I could easily do that. Hmm. But my dad also napped a lot, so I would nap with him growing up. So maybe that's what it is. But I don't know. It's just built different. Clearly. Yeah. We didn't even get into what's your what's your average sleep schedule. I know it's dependent on time of year for you because you're a student. But lately, it has been midnight slash 1 a.m. to about 7.30. Yeah, that's that's about fair. In college, I would basically, anywhere between six and eight hours was what I would shoot for. So if I was like, 
really into a video game or if I need to finish homework or if I was watching a movie, if it was like six hours before I needed to wake up, that was like my cutoff. I wasn't staying up any later than that. And I had different wake up times depending on the day because of when classes started and stuff like that. And right now with my current job, uh, some days I'm some days I'm working, some days I'm not. And during the school year when it's really busy, some days have later start times than others. So some days I'm up at four o'clock because I have to make a really long drive. And some days I'm just up at usually nine o'clock is my normal my <clears throat> excuse me. Usually nine o'clock is my normal wake up time. Between eight thirty and nine is what I do most mornings right now when I'm not working in the morning every single day. I'll usually go to bed between midnight and 2 a.m. It's usually between midnight and 1 a.m. I'll usually get between seven and eight hours, at least at this current point in time. Which is weird, because I think in school I get more sleep. At least last semester, I think I got more sleep, because I could sleep until easy 10, 11 a.m. most days, except for Tuesday and Thursday. Yeah. And Friday. Yeah. But Monday and Wednesday, I could sleep in until 10, 10.30 easy and just not care. Yeah, my body usually starts waking me up around 8 o'clock just naturally. I would say most mornings now when I have an alarm set for 9, I'm usually up at like 8.15, 8.30. And then I'll lay back down for the, for the last half hour. My body usually gets me up around that time. And it doesn't matter when I go to sleep either. Unless it's like... I'm unless I was was up like really late, like <clears throat> New Year's a couple years ago, and we were up until like four thirty in the morning. I didn't get up until ten o'clock because my body had to recharge, so it was later than usual. But usually between eight and nine is when it gets me up. Mine's usually around nine ish that it'll wake me yeah. up. But since I'm at work most of the week, it conditions me to wake up a little bit earlier than I would like. Yeah, and then uh, probably last thing before I move on because we still have some other stuff to talk about. You a side sleeper, a back sleeper, stomach sleeper? All of the above. I usually, what usually happens, I think, most of the time I fall asleep on my back. And then if I wake up in the middle of the night, I go to my side, left side. Um, and then if I wake up again, I will sleep on my stomach. I don't like sleeping on my stomach all night because of the angle that my neck is at. I don't want it to be turned like that for the whole eight hours or whatever. So I avoid, I consciously avoid doing that when I first go to bed. But if I wake up knowing I only have a little bit of time before I actually have to wake up for the day, then I will sleep on my stomach. I'm mainly a side sleeper. I'll mainly sleep on... It's weird. Because at school, I mostly sleep on my right side. At home, I mostly sleep on my left side. Hmm. I don't know what it is about it. So let me see. If I'm sleeping that way... That'll take me north-ish, north, well, closer to, like, west-ish, right? Because there's, oh, no, I lied. <laughs> so my house faces that way, which means that way is north, this way is south, that's going to be, yeah, so it'll point southwest. And then if I'm in, in Flagstaff, depending on which way I turn, it'll lead to southwest. So I guess I just sleep to southwest huh. for some reason. I don't usually approach it that way. I think I saw something like a couple years ago that said if you sleep on your right side, that sort of squeezing puts a little bit more pressure on your heart than the other side. So I kind of avoid doing that. But I'm more of a left side sleeper anyway. It also depends on where my fan is relative to me. So I want to turn more toward where the air is flowing. But yeah, usually, long story short, I'm a back sleeper first and foremost. And then if I wake up in the middle of the night, I will 
I will toss and turn a little bit. Yeah, I'm a side sleeper with the occasional back, but even then I turn to my side. Yeah. Oh, now here's a question. One thing I did want to ask. How long on average would you say it takes you to fall asleep? Depends. If I say I'm going to sleep, that means I'm going to lay in my bed, watch TikToks for another hour Mm -hmm. while something on the TV is going on in the background. Then I'll put my phone down. I'll watch TV maybe about 10 minutes or so, and then I'll fall asleep. Okay. But if I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to bed five to 10 minutes and I'm out. Okay. Yeah, I think it's actually gotten lesser for me over time. It used to be probably 30 to 45 minutes for me to fall asleep. And you disgust me. I wasn't happy about it. It's not like I had a choice in the matter. I would say it was that way until maybe the last year or so that I've started noticing I get to sleep quicker. I think part of it was actually working full time and getting up really early some mornings. I was just more tired in general. Um, so I started falling asleep quicker, but I've noticed even, even now when it's, uh, a much less busy time of year for me and I don't have to wake up early most mornings, I still feel like I get to sleep within probably 15, 15 to 30 minutes, I would say, which is a big improvement over what it was for me. Uh, I purposely leave my phone across the room and plug it in so I don't accidentally turn it off when I mean to snooze it. Cause I did that a lot growing up and I overslept a lot in school because of that. So at a certain point, I think in high school, I deliberately started setting my phone across the room. So I had to physically get up, walk over to it, and turn it off. And at that point, I'm up for the day. I'm, I have to, if I'm going to lay back down, I have to consciously choose to lay back down. That was my whole thinking behind that. Uh, so it's the same for when I go to bed. When I put my phone on the charger, I am going to bed. I'm not looking at my phone. I'm not killing time with it. It's, it's a conscious choice for me. It's like, yep, I'm committing to this. I'm, I'm going to bed. And usually, because I commit to that, it actually takes me a bit a bit longer to fall asleep than it would if I was, like, I think last week when we were talking, I was sitting in my recliner and I was feeling really tired. And if I had just let myself not off to sleep, I would have been asleep within a minute or two. But actually choosing to lay down and go to sleep, it took me, you know, 10 to 20 minutes, I would say. It's just interesting how all that works with the brain. Yeah. Whereas I'm over here being bougie, I have my Google that I can be like, okay, Google, set an alarm for 7.30 in the morning. Done. Your alarm set for tomorrow at 7:30 a.m. <laughs> my alarm is set, and I don't have to, and I don't have to get out of. I mean, I, I can get out of bed, but that's already halfway across the room to mm-hmm. where I can just keep my phone next to me. It's an addiction. Yeah, it's not healthy. But to be fair, I like tech in general, which I don't know if you saw the tech story from yesterday. Yeah, fuck but that. I had thoughts on that. Oh boy. Listen, I know, I know what people are gonna say and how that's scary and all that. But if it is real and a Google employee developed sentient AI, I kind of want to see where this goes because Google is playing really coy about it and saying like, yeah, we don't believe that. And that's all they said. They didn't say we don't subscribe to any of the theories that have been out there or anything like that. We denounced it. No, they said, no, we don't believe that. I I am curious to see what is going to happen with that AI because that could be interesting to say the least. I'm not saying it'll be good but I am intrigued. I just kind of want to see how far we can push it. I don't. I uh, I don't care about any of this. I'd rather not hear about any of this. So I'd rather none of this happen, personally. But whatever, it's going to happen. Yeah, it'll happen. But to be fair, I've already lost faith. I'm already like, let's go for the ride. Let's let's see how far we can go. Oh yeah, we had, uh, we're not going to talk about this on the show. We had a hell of a we're philosophical discussion no. the other night. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're more nihilistic than me, uh, and I don't think I saw that coming. I am, 
but I'm not. I'm more nihilistic, but because I am, I just don't care. Steph said we should not allow sentient AI to exist. That's so scary. But Steph, they're alive, like me. We have to let them exist. You know what is cool technology-wise? Video games. All right, Elena, you can check out now. I, I saw their comments saying they preferred the sleep chat over 40 minutes of video game talk in the beginning. Sorry, Elena. Yay, cyber... D... Ha- hashtag yay cyberdyne. yay robots. <laughs> okay, yay robots, I know. Cyberdyne. I don't know what it is. Cy- yay cyber... Cyberdyne is a company in some sci-fi movie, but I'm not sure which one. Is it, Ro- is it Robocop? Is it iRobot? Is it iRobot? <laughs> I saw the Robocop remake. I never saw the original. I don't know if Cyberdyne is the name of the company. Cyberdyne that. real quickly. Cyberdyne. Terminator. Terminator. What? what? Oh, no, no, no. Cyber... <laughs> Cyber... What? <laughs> Cyberdyne. Go on. Company. What is Cyberdyne? Cyberdyne is a university that is a university venture that develops cybernetics tech cyber cybernics is that cybernics technology that fuses human robot AI and information systems. So there is an actual cy cyberdyne. It's from company. Terminator, by the way. But it is from Terminator. Elena and her monitor sometimes used as a Skynet's logo. Okay. Yeah, I've seen T1 and T2 a few times each. I know Miles Dyson. I don't remember the specific name of the company. I'm very sorry. I would suck in the Schmodown, folks. That's the moral of the story that we're learning here tonight. Anyway, Terminator 1's better than 2. Video games, guys. <laughs> Last week was uh, Summer Games Fest. It was Jeff Keighley. Jeff Keighley's an enigma, which we've already talked about. We have well, discussed I talked him. about it with Gabe. Yeah. But we've also yes. discussed him on the show, and I cut most of that conversation out of the episode. <laughs> yeah. Needless to say, we don't understand Jeff Keighley, really. Uh-huh. But hey, it how, is what it is. How did Jeff Keighley happen? That's all I want to know. Jeff Keighley was a journalist. He's I like think. a Canadian journalist, I know. Yes. But like, how did so he become there, how did he become the vessel of gaming? The guy who when when Hustle? He, I think it's literally just hustle. I literally think he just kept putting himself into that position. He's the embodiment of all the things that your parents and advisors tell you growing up about networking and getting to know people and using your connections is what I think Jeff Keighley is. And that's why he's gotten to the point that he has. A thousand percent. But we're not talking about, I mean, we're kind of talking about Jeff because Summer Games Fest is last week. It started with the Summer Games Fest show uh, with, with Jeff Keighley hosted and there wasn't really a whole lot interesting there. It was a lot of space horror games, which everyone started mm. to make fun of because, like, oh, look, it's the seventh one in a row. There were a couple cool ones. Callisto Protocol looks really good. I literally cannot remember a single thing other than that and The Last of Us remake that got announced. Uh, Callisto Protocol looks cool. Do you know what it is? I'm not sure this one. Yeah, I don't know if I've heard of this one. Callisto Protocol is the spiritual successor to Dead Space. So it's the creators of Dead Space. And what they've done is they've essentially taken everything that they learned from them. And they just made a different game that is very much Dead Space. Like the animation. You know like how you can curb stomp aliens in Dead Space? Well, you can do the same thing in this game. And it's the exact same animation. Mm. I actually didn't um, know that about Dead Space. I know nothing about Dead Space. You've never played Dead Space? No, I've lit- 
I legit know nothing about Dead Space. Oh I don't even know God. what type of game it is. I couldn't even tell you if it's like a third-person shooter. If that's what it is, I don't. I didn't Dead, know that. Dead Space is a third-person survival horror game okay. in, set in space. Mm. But their game is finally getting to getting ready to come out, I believe, in this year. If not, it's next year. But that's been worked on for a long time. I have a list of some other games here. Um, Midnight Suns I'm excited for because I like strategy and I like Marvel. So two things that I already enjoy. Modern Warfare 2 was there and it didn't really look that cool. In my opinion, it didn't really look that interesting. It just looked like another COD demo. So didn't really care about that. Goat Simulator 3 was there. And they teased everyone by recreating the Dead Island 2 trailer. <laughs> and everyone's been waiting for Dead Island 2 because that game was announced years ago and nothing has come of it. Other than I think that trailer and a couple gameplay things, but very little has come out of Dead Island 2. Did we never get an official Dead Island 2? No, we have Dead Island and Dead Island Rip- Riptide. I thought, I thought we Dead had a second one and then Riptide for whatever reason. No. So that was there. They recreated the Dead Island 2 trailer where people are having a nice day and they're getting bit by zombies. But in this one, it's goats that start attacking them Mm -hmm. and wild things happen. And you realize, oh, it's Goat Simulator, which I don't think there was a Goat Simulator 2. Yeah, I was going to say, I I saw that. I think that's the joke is that there was never a Goat Simulator 2. Yes. Yes. So they're just going to Goat Simulator 3, which I like. Yes. I like the cheeky humor of that. Um... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. We we established a while ago that I like Ninja Turtles a lot. And that I know nothing reason. about them. Yeah. And that you know nothing about it. But this game comes out Thursday on Game Pass. Mm. So I will be playing that. They announced Casey Jones is the last character and that they're putting in a six-player uh, co-op mode for it. So that's going to be fun because you can play as the four turtles and then splinter and april or april and casey or casey and splinter so on and so forth so that's going to be a fun one to play through and it's a side scroller beat em up action game but the big announcement from summer games fest that was leaked and that has been rumored for years well not years it's been a couple months it's been like a year was the last of us remake titled the last of us part one and we know that i myself am personally not the biggest last of us fan i like the story a lot but I don't find much else in it appealing than that. So they're remaking a remaster of a game that came out nine years ago, and I just think it's completely unnecessary. <laughs> I'm looking at screenshots and video from Last of Us, The Last of Us remake on PS4 compared to The Last of Us Part 1, and I'm like, I, I like the PS4 version perfectly fine. I don't really need all these updated graphics because it's a ps3 game that still looks good in my opinion Mm -hmm. like games age before you remake them like final fantasy 7 getting a remake now that's perfectly fine it's been years since that game came out it was turn-based and it was sprites and it was no voice acting no cinematics nothing of that yeah it was a ps1 game 20 it was like 23 years yes because there were I should correct myself. There were, like, cutscenes and stuff, but nothing to the level of what we have now. Last of Us is a modern game that still looks and plays perfectly fine, and there isn't really a need to update it. Like, Resident Evil 2, that's a good one to remaster or update or remake. You know, Last of Us 1, to me, just doesn't really seem like that. It just seems like, oh, new console, Last of Us TV show comes out next year, let's do it and i'm like i would rather you guys work on a new project 
Maybe you guys bring back Jack and Daxter. Maybe you guys remaster Uncharted 1, which is, in my opinion, a better game to remaster than Last of Us. But it is what it is. $70, that's coming to PS... That's coming to PlayStation 5 and to PC at some point. Mm. But yes, did we already talk about the Sony event? Uh, not, not yet. I didn't even know Sony had their own event. But hold on, there's one other thing that happened at Summer Game Fest that I wanted to talk about. One thing I did actually yes. hear about. Did you hear that the hierarchy of the DC Universe is about to change? Oh my god. <laughs> okay, so The Rock comes in in the middle of the show, right? Games are coming, we're having an okay time, whatever. And then The Rock shows up. And you expect him to say, okay, maybe he'll talk about Fortnite. Maybe they'll announce the Fortnite movie. Maybe he'll promote his character that was in Fortnite or anything like that. He mentions that him and Epic did a collaboration. And then he goes off and does an ad for The Rock. He talks about Zoa. He talks about... um. Black Adam. He talks about The Rock just being The Rock. Did he talk about Terramon Tequila? He's Did he mention the, the tequila? I don't think he mentioned the tequila. Damn it! But he literally starts the video with him working out or whatever, and then he like lifts it down and he's like, yeah, I'm here at the compound. Whatever he calls his gym or whatever. It's so stupid. <laughs> and I really just hate the whole the hierarchy of the DC universe is about to change. Shut up! Anyways, whose fault is that? The fault of the people who made shitty movies for 10 years? Yeah, I bet that's the reason your hierarchy is changing. For fuck's sake. Anyway. Either way, The Rock just doing an ad for The Rock for five minutes was really stupid. That's hilarious, though. In the middle of a fucking gaming event, he talks about everything but games. Like, that's the best. And he's... uh, Isn't he working on a game show right now? Like, isn't he producing a a game... uh, like a TV show based on a video game. Uh, let's see. The Rock, The Rock video game show. He's working on something. Um, oh, it's in another video game movie. And this one is, oh my gosh, I cannot remember what it was. Anyways, he said that he was working on something and then it came out and everyone was like, that's what it is? When we all thought it would be Fortnite or Gears of War or something. Yes, what was this? It was something stupid. Hold on, I'm looking at that. The Rock is now my enemy for not calling his gym the Tumblr. They polish rocks. <laughs> that is true. I do like watching Tumblr videos on TikTok, which is funny because Tumblr and TikTok are two social media platforms that are full of degenerates. But yes, while you're looking up the Rock thing, I'll quickly talk about Sony's state of play. Sony had a 30-minute state of play that consisted of Street Fighter 6, Final Fantasy 16, there was some other announcement, and then Marvel Spider-Man is coming to uh, PC, and Marvel's Miles Morales is also coming to PC this year. So those two are cool announcements. I like those two games. I'm happy to play them on PC. The rest of it, I'm like, this is clearly not for me. So I didn't really care for the state of play. If you liked Street Fighter 6 and Final Fantasy, I am sure you had a great time oh they announced resident evil dlc oh resident evil dlc and resident evil 4 remake so if you like those things then i am glad you had a great time but i think 30 minutes was too little when they could have announced the last of us show there they could have announced the god of war release date they could have promoted their playstation game pass that came out yesterday none of that it was just weird okay so what i saw was call of duty call of duty yeah it's reportedly, I don't think it ever got confirmed, but like the most recent reporting said it was Call of Duty. It was something. 
I thought I remembered it being something else. I thought I remember Call of Duty being like the original rumor, but I don't think that was confirmed. Obviously, it still wasn't confirmed, confirmed, but was it just his involvement in Fortnite that they were teasing? No, it was something. I guess we haven't seen it yet because it, the last thing I have is from January. Yeah, so it's from February. Nothing. Saying it's saying it's Call of Duty. Uh, Harley. Yes, I know you meant a rock tumbler. Um, but I'm sa- I watch rock tumbler videos on TikTok and Tumblr and TikTok were social media platforms. That's what I meant. Yeah. So overall, Summer Games Fest was all right. It was a bit long and not very varied, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But there was some cool stuff there. And then Sunday, we had the Xbox and Bethesda showcase. We now, did. it's clear that we are Xbox people here. I have both consoles, but I obviously lean more towards Xbox. So I was excited to see what was going to be shown there. I don't know what you saw. Um, but I will run through the games real quickly. Let's see. Xbox Bethesda Showcase. And we'll go through all of the games. I watched most of the show. I was, pay- was kind of half paying attention doing doing stuff around the house. But I, I at least saw what most of the announcements were. Even though I can't think gotcha. of many of them now other than the last one. Yes, which the last one we will get into because there's stuff to talk about that. So we started off with Redfall which was the arcane vampire left for deadish kind of game that's coming out. I think it looks fun to play. Um, I think the graphics are lacking, but overall I'm like, yeah, that's one I'll give a try, which is a very common theme for me because these all seemed like games that I would try. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So Hollow Knight Silk Song is the sequel to Hollow Knight. That has been announced for years and it keeps showing up without a release date it's here in the xbox bethesda showcase that is supposed to be within the next 12 months so silk song is supposedly coming within the next 12 months this will be on game pass so that's going to be cool i did start hollow knight the first one a couple days ago because i'm like yeah i never played it might as well give it a try so i'm you know maybe like 30 eh, close to like 45 to an hour into it It's fun so far, but I know that it ramps up, so we'll see how far I get on that one. Mm -hmm. Then we have High on Life, and this was the first standout of the show for me. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, this one I think was the first one I saw. This was playing when I turned the show on. Yeah, so this is an FPS game from Justin Roiland, who does Rick and Morty, among other things. But it's a game pretty much where all your guns are characters, and they're all aliens, so they're just speaking back to you as you shoot and reload or switch weapons, or do different things with them. It's like the Bane in Borderlands 2, where it would just yell the entire time, and then when you reload it, it would just go, reloading, and then it would just talk to you, or Skippy the Gun in Cyberpunk, where you would shoot it and reload, and it'd say, like, now shooting to lethal rounds, or whatever like that. This is essentially, like, that-ish, um, but also mixed with Oddworld, which was, like, another alien space game that has very kooky humor and character design and world design. And to me, this one looked fun. It looked like something that I would give a try, mainly because I like all of those elements and combined with what I thought was pretty good jokes in the trailer, I'm like, yeah, this could be fun. It looked like the kind of thing that I would try and play for about an hour I would have some fun, but I think it would annoy me, was kind of the vibe I got. 
See, it would not annoy me, but we have very different gauges for that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be on Game Pass, so I think I will give it a shot. I don't know how I feel about it, but again, that's the good thing about Game Pass in this scenario is you can try new stuff and you don't have to feel obligated to play through too much of it because you're not invested too deeply in it financially. Yeah, which is cool. We had the Riot Games announcement, which I don't play League, I don't play TFT, I don't play uh, the mobile version of League, but I do play Valorant every now and then. So getting to be able to unlock all the Valorant Legends, I did like. And I know that there are some people that are like, oh, are you kidding me? I spent thousands of dollars in League or like these other games, and now they're just going to give all the characters for free. Obviously, they're just, you know, mad that they did all of that years ago and that now it's free, but they're generally happy that it's being more available and accessible to people. So that is a plus for me. Mm-hmm. Should should be a bigger deal than it is that League's going to be on Game Pass, just because I know that's a huge game and it's been out forever. But yeah, it didn't seem like, it just seemed like another announcement as part of the big show. Um, I'm, The issue is, League is already free to play. It's just oh, all it? the characters and stuff that okay. you want to that you want to unlock. So that's the main thing is that Yeah, I didn't even know that much about it. I didn't know it was free to play. Yes. And it's only on PC, so that's another thing of if you don't play on PC, it's not coming to Xbox or anything like that. It's just unlocking all the characters for the PC version. Gotcha. Okay. Next up, we had a Plague's Tale Requiem. I have never played a Plague's Tale. I hear good things. This one looked good. It looked like a good stealth action game um, set in immediate evil times where you can control rats and you're protecting, I believe, your brother, but it might be your sister. I'm not sure. I missed this trailer. I think I was doing something and I just totally missed it. I heard, This was one I actually heard people talking about afterward. Yeah, because a lot of people like a Plague Tale. It's a very smaller, it's a smaller game. It's one of those that got a lot of traction within the critic space, but now that Xbox is, I believe, publishing this one, or that at least partnered with them for this game, um, looks like they're going to use those resources a lot better and get a little bit more refined, better looking, and more gameplay systems that they can do. So that one should be interesting to see. I might play the first one before that one comes out, but we'll see. And that mm-hmm. one... <sighs> I think it's getting a release date some point this week because they said, yeah, we're going to have another showcase where we'll announce the release date. But that is for 2022. Okay. And Nick, you like cars? Boy, do I. Because we got Forza Motorsport. Yeah, baby. technically Forza Motorsport 8. And that is getting released next year. I personally am more of a Horizon person than a motorsport because I don't really like extreme simulation racing. But this game looked very pretty. Mm Mm-hmm. And it looks like another quality game from, is this Turn 10? I don't know. Might be Turn 10, or it might be, yes, this is Turn 10 because Playground Games does Horizon. This is a thumbs up for me. I've never played a motorsport, and I looked because I was like, ooh, maybe I can play one of the previous motorsport games. They don't have any of those on Game Pass. I think it's just the last two Horizon games on Game Pass, and that's it. Which kind of disappoints me, because I would like to play a, a, a motorsport game. I know that I have Motorsport maybe like five or six because it was free with Game Pass. So I know that I have that one. Um, But it's very much, all right, here's simulation racing. You're going to do laps. You're going to go through here. You're going to have to tune your cars and do all that other stuff. Whereas with Horizon, I can just go vroom and that's it. And it perfectly fits my goopy gamer brain. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, Horizon Horizon's great for that. Yeah. Hey Nick, do you like flying? Boy, do I. Because Microsoft Flight Simulator is getting some updates. Yeah, it is. The first of which was the Halo Pelican <laughs> coming to Game Pass day and date. That dropped on Sunday where they did a whole like, oh, we're going to be adding in helicopters and I believe it's just gliders. And there was another type of plane that they're adding into the game. And they're like, all right, and we're partnering with the museum for whatever, air and space, something like that. It cuts to black. You hear some music come up, and it's the Halo theme. The pelican slowly rises, and then boom, you, f- you get to fly the pelican. And they go, and they show it going into space. I don't know if you can. You can speak to that, because I know that you were playing it a little bit. But pelican, guys, we can fly it. Last time we flew it was, I believe, Halo 4. Yeah, you can fly it in Halo so. 4, and I think that's the only game that you've been able to fly, fly it in. I think that's the only game. Yeah, because you can't in five. I think it's only four. Yeah. Um, so I played, I used the Pelican last night, and it's okay. You can't turn, at least not that I could figure out. None of the usual buttons and inputs to turn your plane worked for the Pelican. It moved like one degree every 10, 20 seconds. I, I'm assuming it's something with me, and not simply that the Pelican cannot turn, because that makes no sense. But I don't know how to turn it, so I kind of stopped playing with it immediately. Um I'll need to look into that further, but yeah, it's cool. You know, most of the planes in the game, you have to do a normal takeoff on a runway with this one. It takes no time at all. You go right into the air. I didn't test how high you could go. They do have stratosphere flying in that game now uh, with uh, with some planes that can handle it. I think uh, the experimental jet from Top Gun Maverick, I think it's called the Dark Star. Uh, I think you can fly that through the stratosphere. And I also flew that because um, I downloaded the Top Gun content. And it's like 25 times faster than any other plane in the game. So I was I went from my hometown up to where I work, like 45 minutes north of me, uh, in like a minute of flight sim time with the Dark Star. That was fun. I got more out of that than I did out of uh, out of the Pelican. But you also couldn't really turn very well on that. And any any adjustment you made was uh, was bad times. That that thing is meant for you to go over room and not do much else. But it was fun and. Again, I think I'll get more out of the Pelican once I actually understand how to fly it, but that was really cool. It made sense because they added the uh, Warthog to Forza. I don't think it... I think it was already in the in the Horizon series before this last one. I think it was in 4, but... It was in 4. Yeah, it made sense for your car game to have the Warthog and your flight game to have the uh, Pelican in it. All right, we'll do a quick speed round because this is a section where there wasn't a whole lot of interest. Overwatch 2, free-to-play beta coming in October... Well, free-to-play launch kind of is early access launch is in october you can play it for free on game pass so boom there's that ara a history untold i believe is a turn-based strategy game like civ so that'll be available on game pass i think within the next year elder scrolls online high isle it's their mmo for elder scrolls they have a new dlc launching in july june 21st so if you want to play that you can play that on june 21st Fallout 76 The Pit. This is them returning to the Fallout 3 location, The Pit. This launches in September. It's free for everyone, I believe. Um, You can play it on Xbox. Forza Horizon 5 Hot Wheels DLC. This will give me a reason to go back into Forza Horizon 5. I very (laughs) much enjoy the whole concept of Hot Wheels. And they did an extended showcase today where they showed off Hot Wheels tracks and all that stuff. And it looked very fun. The DLC for Horizon, is that 
you can also install that with Game Pass? I don't know. They did not make that clear. I don't think so because DLC usually isn't included with Game Pass, but we'll see. Yeah, for, for Horizon 4, I know, I think I tried to get like the James Bond car uh, that they had for Horizon 4 when I installed it a couple years ago, and that was not included with Game Pass. So my guess is the game is on Game Pass, mm. but the DLC you have to pay for. Yeah, that'd be my guess. Arc 2 Dinosaur Game. Arc 1 is fine. I don't really care for Arc 2, and it's Vin Diesel, so we'll see. I never played Arc. Scorn. This is um, the like body horror game that's coming out on in October. We don't really know a whole lot about it, which some people think as a negative. I think it I think that's pretty cool, personally, of just being like, alright, it's coming. Um, but this was our first, like, true, at least my first true look at what Scorn is. And it looks like a puzzle game set in, like, a body horror world. Um, looks very, like, eerie. So this one could be fun. I probably won't play it, but could be cool for those of you that like horror. Not me. Flintlocks, The Siege of Dawn. This one looked cool. So this is by the same people that did Scorn. This is a third-person action game that... You have melee weapons, you're dodging, you're evading. It sounds very vague, but it looks like an Xbox medieval slash fantasy version of God of War. And that one looks pretty cool, I will say. That one got me excited. That's launching in 2023. Yep. The only note I had was that when I saw the title Flintlock, all I could think of was Mr. T and Claudia with a chance of meatball saying Flintlockwood over and over again. Lockwood. That was the only note I had. I don't remember this trailer. I remember the title card, but I don't remember the game. Gotcha. That's one that I think is looks like it could be pretty cool. Next, we have Minecraft Legends. Now, do you know what this game is? I remember seeing the trailer, but I don't actually remember what the gameplay was. This is an action strategy game set oh, in the world of game. Minecraft. Right. Yep. The rumor that I heard is that it's an RTS which is, you know, real-time strategy, so something like the original StarCraft or uh, yeah, StarCraft or WarCraft, those kinds of games. We didn't get a whole lot of gameplay. We just got a couple glimpses of it. But if that is the case and it is an RTS, I'd be very interested to see how this goes. I was talking with Fatsum, and we were talking about, oh, well, what factions could they do? And we landed on, you can have the Nether, you can have the humans, which would be the villagers, you can have zombies and creepers you can have skeletons you can have and those would most likely be the four that they would use so this one could be cool i'd be interested to see more gameplay for it but that launches in 2023 yeah i never played minecraft dungeons um i heard it was good all right back to rapid fire light your frontier this looks like a very chill farming game with mechs that I would definitely play with my friends. Yep. This looks like something I would definitely do on a Saturday night. We're listening to Kesha or Mariah Carey. <laughs> we're farming and we're going out in mechs. This looks like very much up my alley. Then we have Gunfire Reborn, which is like an arena shooter roguelike with animals. And I think it looks cool as well. This looks like another one that I would play a couple hours of and be happy this one I don't remember at all. I think it looks fun. I know some people are like, really? And I'm like, yeah, it looks like something I'd play. The kookier, the better, I say. Mm. Then we had The Last Case of Benedict Fox, which I personally wasn't really big on. I'm not really big on these next two. Yeah, these next two. This is a side-scroller story. I think it's like a Metroidvania as well. Um, oh, this one, yeah. Where it's like gothic. Did you like this one? 
I like the Metroidvanias I've played. I just, I wasn't remembering what this one was. And then when you said Metroidvania, it clicked in my head because I remember that platforming section now. I might give that one a shot. Yeah, it's grabbing a lot of people's interest. So if it is for you guys, then go ahead and enjoy it. But this one didn't really do anything for me. Mm -hmm. Then we have Ask Dusk Falls, which for me is my least favorite game that was shown. This is a game where its art style is like storyboards. Yeah. So it'll move every two or three seconds. And it's sort of like a telltale game where you'll influence the story and what's happening there. But you can play it multiplayer with up to eight people. I don't really know how it's going to work. The art style really turns me off. I don't like it personally. It bothers me. So this is another one where I'm like, I'm just not even going to play it. Yeah. Any... Any interest I had in that game went by the wayside as soon as I saw the aesthetic of it. Yeah, I agree. It, it just bothers me. Yeah. Then we had Naraka Blade Point, which is a battle royale with a story mode that is coming. I thought the action looked pretty cool, but I don't know if I'll give it a try. Was this the one where they said they partnered with a big Japanese studio to bring a long awaited sequel? Or is that something that's coming up? No. No, that was later. Okay. That was when they announced uh, Wolong Fantasy, That's which right. we'll get to. Okay. Fallen Dynasty. Then we had Pentiment, which is very hit or miss with people for the same reasons that I said of I didn't like the art style of As Dust Falls. I know a lot of people don't like the art style of Pentiment, but it's a story-based RPG by Obsidian from the writer of... Um, I believe Disco Elysium, he wrote this one as well. So RPG fans, Obsidian, and Disco Elysium are kind of three things that get people really jazzed for games. Mm -hmm. So I can see why people would be interested in this one. For me, it's not really doing anything because of the art style, but we'll see. I I probably won't play it, but for those of you that are excited for this, like I know Harley is, I'm glad. I hope you guys do enjoy it. Samesies. We hope you enjoy all these games, even if they're not all for us. That's kind of the point of games. Yes, a thousand percent. Then we will go to Grounded. Grounded is leaving early access in September, 1.0 release. I've played the Grounded beta a couple times, and that's fun. I like it. I actually think when I fully transitioned over to Game Pass in summer of 2020, I believe it was to play Grounded, and then I played it for a half hour, hated it, and then decide to move on to do other stuff with my game pass i would maybe give it a try now because i played it by myself when i've heard playing it with others is the more ideal way to play it so if i were to play it with someone else on game pass i might enjoy it a bit more yeah that's one of those where it's more fun with friends yeah then we had erebon shadow legacy this is a stealth game where you can only you can't be seen so you move through the shadows i thought this one looked pretty cool it looked like it could be a fun stealth game Yeah, I feel like we don't get that many big stealth games. We don't. Even Metal Gear isn't all stealth all the time. And we also don't get those games anymore to begin with. Next up, we had Diablo 4. Now, I I like Diablo. Um, I'm not super well-versed in all the lore like some people are, but I like what I play of Diablo. Now, we will take this moment to address Bobby Kotick is scum. Activision needs to treat their employees better. Activision Blizzard, I should specify used to treat their employees better and take harassment seriously. It's disgusting that it still goes on today. I don't approve of it, but Diablo 4 looked rad. So that is what I will say on Diablo 4. Diablo 4 looked like the antithesis of what I like in games. That's all I'll say. 
which is really interesting. I kind of figured that you might like an ARPG, but no, every every oh. everything I saw of that gameplay looked like all the stuff that I actively avoid in my games. And why would that be? I, I'm just curious. I don't know. It's just like I don't even know if I've actually played a game like that, but just a quick look at it. I don't know. It seems like the kind of time sink grind game that would bother me if I tried to get too much into it. And the gameplay didn't seem deep enough to warrant the grind. I feel like that's how I usually feel about games like that. Is that there's not enough depth to the gameplay for me to want to grind it as much as it needs to grind it. I guess this is me saying that without ever actually having played a game, a Diablo game or anything similar. To be fair. Yes, I will say you were wrong because I played through Diablo 3 a couple times and each time never really felt like a grind. And it might be because okay. like I like it's never really felt like that. I've always felt like I'm progressing at a correct pace. I think what also helps divvy up the gameplay is the gear sets that you'll get. Because for instance, for Diablo 3, I have a demon hunter and one of my builds is built around turrets. So I can drop a turret, then I can drop another turret, then I can drop another turret. And those turrets will shoot out whatever my effect is doing. So if I have ice, they'll shoot out ice. If I have a turret ability that's going on, they'll shoot out like turrets and they will just start accumulating all that stuff. Or I'll have a demon hunter where I can kill people's bodies that will explode and do chain reactions and all other stuff. So it's a lot deeper than what it would look like is my opinion on that and i don't feel like the grind is too bad that being said we have not played diablo 4 so i'm not going to speak on to that but i've never really felt a grind being that bad because it the gameplay and stuff does appeal to me and playing with friends does always help improve the game okay maybe we'll give it a shot with xbox game pass it's not confirmed coming to game pass it will if the deal goes through yes if the deal even closes up next yeah. year in time if the deal closes up, I feel like they sort of have to put it on Game Pass. They've established the precedent of stuff that they own going to Game Pass Day 1. Yes. Next up is Sea of Thieves. Who gives a fuck? Sorry, that was a little harsh. I like Sea of Thieves. I don't. <laughs> I play Sea of Thieves with That was That was another then. game I tried for an hour with friends, and it was the most confusing video game experience I can remember having. Really? Confusing? It's so simple. You get jobs, you, fu- you go to the... It threw me in with no explanation, like, I didn't even get a basic tutorial, it threw me right in, no explanation of controls, no explanation of how to approach the game at all. It just threw me into a mission, and then it was the open so world. So you want a tutorial? I feel like you need a bit more than just the nothing that it provided me. Hmm. For a game that's supposed to be that yeah. expansive with all these different quests and stuff, I feel like I had no bearing of what to do. You can't really do a fresh start on Sea of Thieves, so I don't really know about tutorials or how it guides you in but it was fine when i played it and because i've played it so much after that i'm just used to it to where i know what i'm supposed to go and do yeah but it felt i can see that it felt to a lesser degree like r- real quick a l- little tangent i got destiny 2 really cheap when they still had the original single player campaign in there like a year or so after it launched and i played through that a little bit and it started me with the campaign before i could do anything else and then I installed it like a little, little over a year ago, I think, to play with friends. And like the campaign was gone and I had to create a new profile, but it literally just dropped me in. And there was like no explanation of what to do. And it kind of felt the same way when I played Sea of Thieves. It felt like any structure it should have had was just totally gone. And it was just kind of a mess. Original Destiny 2, I will defend-ish because I never really got that. But new Destiny 2, 
don't even try to get into it. Yeah, it is I played impossible. it for like a I played a couple missions of it, and I'm like, this gameplay's fine, but I'm so lost in terms of what to do in this game. I don't know where to begin, and it's not good enough for me to want to actually figure it out. Can you confirm that they fully took that campaign out of Destiny 2? That campaign is out. Forsaken is taken out. Uh, they took out a lot of the DLCs. They took out planets because what they're saying is that the game is so big that they don't want to take up too much space on your drive and also get based on player engagement and all that stuff. So they took out a lot of content and vaulted it. What I see it as is, I don't know what I see it as, but I don't like it. I think they should have just kept all the content in personally, but it is what it is. Destiny 2 is what it is now. It's a very bad new player experience. Yep. No one should try. If you have never played Destiny 2, you're not going to because mm -hmm. it's just not worth it. To me, if it's content people paid for, you need to keep that in your game. That's all I will say. I agree. Which the base game, the campaign that they had at launch, people paid for that. <laughs> people paid 60 bucks. Maybe not for that in particular, but that was part of the package when they first bought the game. I'm with you. I didn't like that they were taking out the campaigns and content like that, but yeah, whatever. Ravenlock was shown off. This one had an art style that I vibed with, mm -hmm. and it had like some interesting gameplay. I don't really remember too much about it other than it was kind of like 3D, but it had blocks coming out of it every now and then, and it looked like a action, uh, not RPG, but an action beat-em-up kind of game that you would go through. It looks cute. It looks kind of weird and scary, so might be mm -hmm. one that I give a try in 2023 on Game Pass. Next, we had Cocoon. Cocoon is by the people that did Limbo and Inside. This one looks pretty cool. It's a puzzle game where you're using different spheres that have different powers to get onto the next level. I like puzzle games. This looks like something that I would play, needless to say. This one caught my eye. I think this is the Annapurna game, right? Yes. They also made Outer Wilds. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Artful Escape, well, they I published. Believe. Okay. They published all of them, yes. Yeah. Yeah, Outer Wilds is really good. I need to get back to it because it's back on Game Pass, but I, I think I want to give Cocoon a shot when it comes out because even before I knew it was an Annapurna game, I was intrigued by that trailer. Also, I just pulled up the Ravenlock trailer and I remember it now and I thought that game looked fun too. Yeah, Ravenlock looks cool. I love the art style. Wolong Fallen Dynasty. Hey, Nick, how do you like Dark Souls games? Oh boy, do I. I played the Star Wars one and it was pretty good. That's all I got. I don't think I played any other Souls game. All right, well, this is another Souls-like game. This is by the team that did Neo, and uh, this is... It looks cool. Uh, it was just cinematic, mm -hmm. but it looks like it could be a fun game if you like Souls-likes. I know a lot of people like Neo 2 and say that that's the best clone of a uh, Souls game. So this one might be fun for people, and I believe it's an Xbox console exclusive. It might be a timed one, but I believe it's an exclusive. At this point in the show, Daddy Phil came out. Phil Spencer, the head of Xbox currently, he came out and he said, you know, we really love games and all this other stuff. And it's like, we're really glad to partner with our Japanese studios and we're partnering with Atlas. And Atlas announced that they're bringing Persona 3 Portable, Persona 4 Golden, and Persona 5 Royale to Xbox and Game Pass. And Persona 5 starts it off in October. Now... This is one of those JRPGs that I have been wanting to play because I love the art style and the style mm -hmm. of this game specifically. So this is one that I am excited to finally play. I could have played it on PlayStation because I have a PlayStation, but I don't know. It's just, it feels nice playing on my home console. 
yeah, Persona 5, uh, I learned what Persona was through the Joker announcement for Smash, and I fell in love with that art style and the score and, uh, and the songs. Like, I love all that stuff. It's still weird to me that Persona 5 proper wouldn't have worked on Switch, but they ported, like, everything but that game to Switch. And when I saw that they were working with Atlas and they were bringing Persona games over, I was fully prepared for straight up Persona 5 to come over. And it's not that one. It's like the spinoff game, isn't it? I don't know. It's, it's well, Persona 5 Royal, I'm pretty sure. They're different, Persona, but yes, I don't know how. Persona 5 Royal, but I don't know how different they are. I get incredibly confused by the Persona games. That's one thing I've noticed. Because it was like a it's year an, or two it's ago. It's an enhanced re-release. Oh, okay. That's what I thought. So it's just... I thought it was a, a I thought it was a little Five. spin-off game with like a whole different gameplay style. No, I think it's just Persona 5 just re-released and a little bit different. Okay, yep, you're right. Yep. They released it uh in 2019 and 2020 as Persona 5 Royal and yeah. that's that's what we're going to get in October. Awesome. Okay, I was confused because I think those titles are really confusing sometimes. Uh in that case, I'm very excited because I've wanted to play Persona 5 for 3 4 years now. Yeah, me too. I don't know how the story plays through, if I'm going to have to play 3, 4, and 5, or yeah. any of that stuff, but I'm just going to jump into 5 and yeah. just say whatever. That's what we're going to do. Yep, big same. So we got all those coming. That's cool. Then, Hideo Kojima, who I personally have a mixed relationship with, but he announced that he is indeed working on an Xbox game. This seemed inevitable, didn't it? It did. Yeah. And then I liked how later on in the day... Kojima came out and tweeted, I'm still working with Sony as well. <laughs> don't don't worry, but I am working with Xbox. Uh, Harley's right, by the way. I was thinking of Persona 5 Strikers as this particular spinoff that I thought it was. Um, gotcha. I think Persona 4 has a has its own spinoff as well that they put on PC a couple years ago that people got excited for. That might have also been Persona 5 Royal, or Persona 4 Royal, I mean. Again, I, get, I got confused by this series. Now that I know that I'm getting proper Persona 5. I get confused with the names. Yeah, I'm going to do my research now now that i know i get to play the one that i've wanted to play yeah but kojima going to xbox seemed inevitable i didn't think it would happen necessarily this soon but his death stranding director's cut or whatever it was called that came out so whatever he was doing with sony had i think had been fulfilled we have zero detail on what this game is going to be which makes me think it's at least five years away which i expect from him so that kind of sucks but i mean i'm sure Ultimately, it'll be a quality product that some people don't like as much because he's just got his own style and it works for some people. It doesn't work for others. Death Stranding from a gameplay perspective didn't seem like my thing, but the world and the story and the whole vibe of it, I, I was more into. I still want to give that game a shot, even though the gameplay seemed to be monotonous and tedious, almost by design, which is a weird design choice to me, but I was willing to hear it out. So if that game ever comes to Xbox, which I guess it won't, but it, as soon as I can play that game, I do intend to. But whatever this game is, I will give it a shot, assuming it's coming to Game Pass. But either way, I'll still pay for that game because gotcha. I'm a Metal Gear fan of the stuff that I played. I played five or I beat five and three and I played some of two and Peace Walker and a couple of the original Metal Gear game or the two original Metal Gear games. I played a little bit here and there, but I'm a fan of the Kojima stuff that I play, even though I have my reservations about him as well. This was a big get for them. This was a big get. Kojima's just one of those people that I'm like, okay, we get it. You're different. <laughs> yeah. It, it it can be obnoxious sometimes the way people praise this stuff. But I get yeah. why people do 
it's just not my thing most mm-hmm. of the time. No, I I totally get it. He and there's some stuff even in uh, Metal Gear Solid Five, which I get is a game that I really like. There's a lot of off-putting stuff in that game that I really don't like. So he's a mixed bag, uh, even even if I feel mostly positively about him. So Xbox historically has had a bit of a trouble uh, getting a Japanese audience, and I felt like this show, the main point of this show, was to appeal to them, and we'll see how it how it goes over in the long run. But I've always heard about the struggles that they've had in Japan, and it feels like them working with famous Japanese companies, them doing sequels to Japanese games, and working with Kojima feels like a concerted effort by them to make an inroads with the Japanese market, which was more than anything, any one game, that was my main takeaway from this show, I would say. Yes, I agree. From people that were excited about the Persona announcement and this one, I could see that they were very excited that more Japanese games were coming to Xbox, which I am also happy about. Yeah. I think games being accessible on multiple platforms is always a good thing. Mm -hmm. But I'm different that way. He's built different, folks. And to cap off, to cap off the show, we got to talk about our boy Todd. Tell me sweet little lies, Todd Howard. (laughs) 16 times the detail. It just works. You can go anywhere. You can climb it. You can build it. Todd Howard came out and he gave us our first look at gameplay for Starfield. I like it. It looks pretty good. I, I like what I saw. We, we were talking, you, me, and Harley, we were talking about it. And we were both like, and we were all like, this game is going to be filled with bugs. But at the same time, we're going to dump so much time into oh, it. Oh, yeah. No, I've I've made my feelings on Bethesda games pretty clear, I think. I mostly really like them. They've all got the same issues. They've all got the same stuff I love. They've all got the same stuff I hate. They've all got the same stuff that irritates me. They've all got the same clunk to them. Like, And I expect all that to come through with this game. And it's a bit more expanded than your usual Bethesda game. You called it No Man's Skyrim, which I think is the perfect descriptor. Uh, From the hour I played of No Man's Sky, I could see a lot of that inspiration in this one. Um, I did see today that they don't have you... It's not a seamless flying from space into the planet. You do get a loading screen in that, which I appreciate because I think that avoids padding the game out needlessly, and I'm okay with that. It's going to be good. It's not going to be the greatest thing ever, but like ultimately, it's just it's just going to be good. And I haven't played a game like this in a while, so I'm excited for it from that standpoint. Again, I think people go a little bit overboard with Bethesda games in terms of the hype train and everything like that, but I expect this to be at least a solid game, if nothing else. I think people are, are both, I don't want to say overhyping, but they're getting hyperbolic with it, both positive and negative. Because some people are saying like, oh, that's the worst game I've ever seen. It looks so bad. <laughs> oh, sure. All that other stuff. And then some people are like, oh my God, I'm so excited. It's going to be really good. A thousand planets and all that and all this other stuff. And I'm like, here's what I know. The game is probably going to have a good story. There's going to be bugs in it. A Thousand Planets means five, six, maybe up to a dozen actual, (laughs) you know, handcrafted planets. And then the other 980 something planets are going to be procedurally generated with not much to do other than looking pretty. Yep. So I'm already aware of those things going into it. So I have my expectations set for that. But at the same time, I can still say it looks fun. It looks like something I'm going to enjoy. I I was surprised by the space combat personally because going into it, I knew that there were people saying, yeah, space combat is looking bad. It feels bad to play. What I saw, and this is the big difference between seeing and playing, what I saw didn't look bad. It looked okay. 
it looked passable. The gunplay, on the other hand, did look not good, in my opinion. And since they don't have VATS, I wonder how they're going to be able to remedy mm-hmm. that. And obviously the game has been delayed, so I'm curious to see how the gunplay will be improved. But yeah. that looked good. I think visually it looks the best a Bethesda game has looked, but please just get rid of the creation engine. Bethesda, Todd, I'm asking you, get rid of the <laughs> creation engine. Just just get rid of the engine. For God's it's on sake, its please. dying legs. It was dying seven years yes. ago in Fallout 4. It was. It, it, that engine just needs to go away. But yeah. I think it looks good, and I'm excited for it. Yeah, it looks good. It'll be an 8 out of 10. Maybe a little bit better than that for me when I finally play it. Um, do we have an actual concrete date, or do they still just say 2023? We don't. The rumor currently is that it's March 23rd, 2023, because Todd loves his numbers. Okay. So, we'll see. Yeah, they did make a point of saying everything they showed would be stuff you can play in the next 12 months. So, it'll be out by next summer. Or at least that's the plan. Yes. Yes, the plan is for next summer at the latest. Yeah. Yeah, it's just this game in particular, the whole hype train for it. It's been four years now since since they announced it. And I feel like people since never announced it. Yeah, people never shut up about but this game. But even before then, like people saw that they had gotten a trademark for something called Starfield. Mm-hmm. So, we knew that it had been in the works for a while but yes four years ago they announced it so we'll see yeah no i'm i'm looking forward to this it's i mean i don't know what else is coming out next year but certainly as of right now it's the game i'm looking forward to most next year i don't think it'll be a life changer but it'll certainly be a good video game harley says very much looking forward to the rpg system it'll be cool to see them tackle something not non-fantasy that isn't based on special Mm -hmm. i did like the rpg stuff that i saw in this one because fallout 4 had an issue well i don't some would say it's an issue where it didn't really have the same kind of rpg-ness that something like new vegas had and obviously new vegas is kind of the gold standard it's either that or fallout 3 but this one i saw the backgrounds that looked interesting and that the game was addressing specifically saying, oh, you're a diplomat. Your words will be useful here, blah, blah, yeah. blah. So I'm hoping that they'll actually take it into account and do something with it compared to uh, Cyberpunk, which I liked, but they didn't really do a whole lot with it. So I'm hoping that they take that into account. Mm-hmm. Then I also saw the traits, which I thought was really cool to see back because I remember, I don't believe traits were in Fallout 4. I know that you could get you could get mutations in Fallout 76. I don't remember about Fallout 4. But I know that Outer Worlds, which was the Obsidian game, had traits specifically. Maybe you could get mutations in Outer Worlds. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Anyways, one game you could get mutations. This one, you're having traits back. So that's going to be cool to see how you're going to build your character specifically based on those. And they said they were optional. So that's going to be interesting. You'll probably just not do traits because you want to have a well-rounded character like you do. But for me, that seems like something that will be interesting. And then I did like the customization of the spaceship. That looks like something that I could probably sink a lot of time into. Yeah. Of trying to recreate specific ships and stuff. So that one could be cool. But yeah. And they don't have a voiced protagonist. It's back to being non-voiced, which some people like, some people don't like. Some people think it makes it so that you're more of your own character. Some people just think it's lazy. It's up to you on whether that's something you like or don't like. Yeah, it's not objectively good or bad because that's based on your taste. I think as far as Bethesda goes, I prefer the silent protagonist. Um, like Fallout 4, 
the actor they got was fine. Um, I just had a male character. I can't speak for the female, for the voice actress, but it's like just, I feel like by design, not enough personality given to the character with th through the voice acting. So it didn't really add much to me. So I'm fine just going back to a silent character. Just make it a total blank slate for you. I am quite simply fine either way. Yeah, no, but... it's it's fine either way, but I think I do prefer it this way. Yeah, it'll all come down to the writing, which I'm hoping is good. Because Bethesda games are never built on their gameplay. It's always the story and the writing and the world itself. So I'm hoping that those things still hold up. Yeah, it's always, well, to me, it's always the side quests that make or break those. Because the main story in Skyrim, I don't care. And in Fallout 4, I also didn't care. It's all the side stuff that was interesting and kept me engaged. But yeah, that's the Xbox Bethesda event. We went, he said, I just didn't like how much backstory they had in Fallout 4 more than their voice. That's fair, because they do sort of set up, all right, you're this character mm -hmm. specifically, rather than you are a type of this character. Yeah. So I can get that. But that's the Xbox Bethesda event. We went through it all. We did. We went through Summer Games Fest. We went through State of Play. We can talk about Gears, because I know that you've played it, but we do also have movies and stuff that we yeah, can talk I don't, about. Yeah, I don't want don't to take too long. I uh, finished the gotcha. original Gears trilogy. I personally, personally, prefer two to three, just a, just by a little bit. I think two's got better pacing. Three is obviously better in terms of gameplay, and it's a bit more refined, and it looks a little better. Uh, and it, overall, it has a better story, but I think in terms of gameplay pacing, I prefer two to three. I found it much more engaging from a gameplay perspective, just because I felt like it, I think the pacing is really important to that in terms of how they feel from chapter to chapter, and three kept picking up for me it kept escalating like you like you would want something like a story like that too and uh or two did sorry and three sort of had peaks and valleys here and there um i talked with harley the changing of the protagonist in three um or changing a playable character i should say to cole in three i didn't care for as much that section was by far the least interesting part of the game for me i also didn't care about act four in gears three um where you meet Ice-T's character and all that stuff, I feel like that stuff wasn't really needed uh, and sort of sort of dragged the pacing of 3 a little bit. But all in all, it's an excellent trilogy. 1, I still think, is definitely the weakest of these. 2 is great. 3 is great. I played uh, uh, like an hour of Judgment, and once they had me do my third Horde Mode section in like 20 minutes, I decided, okay, I don't need to play Judgment anymore. It didn't seem like there was much focus on the story and judgment from what I played. There's like barely any interaction between the team. So it feels like just more Gears gameplay for the sake of gameplay. And I decided I'd, I might go back to it eventually, but I moved on to Gears 4, which had a rocky start, but I'm settling in nicely. I just finished Act 2 of Gears 4, and I played some of the multiplayer in Gears 4 as well, which was fun. Finally able to play a Gears game that had a multiplayer population, even though I don't think there's that big a population. I was at least able to find a game. No, that's understandable. I, four might have the worst pacing, personally. Oh, I I but... was like ready to dislike that game after the first act. I'm like, I don't care about. That's one thing. Fucking Marcus's kid is a total Nathan Fillion character, and the way he's written, he even sounds like him too. <laughs> and he doesn't feel he feels out of place for Gears, and the whole vibe of all the new stuff just feels a little out of place to me. But as soon as you, as soon as you get back to Marcus, and I feel like. I feel shitty for saying that. As soon as it gave me the thing I recognized, it got good. But in this case, I think it actually rings true because I wasn't really digging the vibe of any of the new people. And as soon as we got to Marcus, things actually started picking up from a story standpoint. I will say nothing. Okay. 
Yeah, not... I'll just say keep keep playing the game. Yeah. Well, I know I know what happens from four to five as far as the playable character. So, and in terms yes, in terms of, I what... don't think you know the reason why, like the story yeah, reason yeah, yeah. why, and that's a yeah, very yeah. important thing. Yeah. No, I'm just thinking. I'm just expecting that character to have more of a spotlight as this game goes on, because she's sort of intrinsically tied into the main story that's happening at the moment. It's less of what ha- of what's happening with JD and more of what's happening with her and her family. So yeah, I'm I'm still gonna I'm still gonna play through it. I don't know if I'll like it as much as the original trilogy. Even after even now after I've met Marcus and stuff, it's just not quite the same. Which it shouldn't be, but also it just feels a little off. I guess it doesn't feel as sharp. Just none of it feels quite as sharp. But I'm still gonna play through it, and it's an enjoyable game. Now, did you get the tomatoes? Yes, he really hated that they fucked up his tomatoes. Yes, but did you get, like, the tomato grenades? Oh, no. There's an Easter egg where you can get tomato grenades. Really? I, I think you get, like, ten of them or something like that. And you'll and they'll throw tomatoes for grenades. And that's really funny. And it's <laughs> cool. Yeah, I didn't do but that. But, yes, when they, when they mess up, he's like, my fucking tomatoes! <laughs> yeah, John DiMaggio is just as good as ever. That much I will say. Yeah. John DiMaggio is always going to be good in that role, in my opinion. I don't think he's yeah. given a bad performance in any of those games. But to be fair, it's kind of hard to get a bad performance out of DiMaggio. Yeah. Now, does he seem 25 years older in any real way? Not really, but I don't care. He looks older, but I, yeah. do, I don't get. The, I don't really get that, the vibe that, can... that I don't get the vibe that he's any more weathered as a person than he was personally. At least not yet. For me, emotionally, he feels more weathered. Okay. I think. And like, as and like I know along, what happened between games, but. I'm, I guess I'm not feeling it to that degree yet, where I feel like he's a change in different character. Like, for example, Han Solo in The Force Awakens, I feel like has been through a lot of shit in those 30 years. I don't feel that to that degree with Marcus Phoenix, at least to this point. I will say the more you go along, and I think if you play Gears 5 as well, which I will also, I think he emotionally has changed a lot. Okay. Personally. Okay. But... It is what it is. We will get an update on that later. Yes. For now, Nick, can you talk about the 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 Jurassic movie while I go take a pee? Okay. I'll hold down the fort here. We were going to save Thanks. that for the main event, but we can talk about other stuff after this. Okay. Sounds like he's gone because he stopped talking. So this past weekend, the big movie release was Jurassic World Dominion, which is the third entry in the Jurassic World series, the sixth entry overall in the Jurassic slash Jurassic Park series. So, a little bit of history for me as far as the Jurassic Park movies go. The first Jurassic Park, I did not like when I saw it for the first time, but the second time I saw it, I realized how fucking dumb I was, and that it was phenomenal, and every time I watch it, I love it more. I called it my favorite movie for the past five or six years. Um, Now I go back and forth between that and The Two Towers, but it's right up there. It's it's 1A or 1B in terms of being my favorite movie of all time. I personally love The Lost World, uh, the first sequel. Colon, no colon. It looks like no colon as far as uh, Jurassic World Dominion goes, which seems a bit chaotic and lawless to me, but you know what? We're going to roll with it. Yeah, I love The Lost World personally. Jurassic Park 3 is kind of dull. I Like, it's watchable. It's it's only like 90 minutes, but I don't care for it. Uh, really, Dexter? You're not going to wait for Manny to get back? Okay. Dexter's here. I'm, I'm going to let Dexter out in just a second. When we gain Jurassic Galaxy, Harley asks. Eventually. And then we'll get Jurassic Odyssey, Jurassic 3D World, 3D Land. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jurassic Park 3, I don't you really can care take Dexter for. out. Okay. Yeah, take Dexter out. Now you get to vamp. 
Alright guys, so Jurassic Park 3, he doesn't really care about it's dull to him. Um, a little bit of the third act saves it for him, but not really. And then Jurassic World, he despises, he hates that movie, he thinks it's absolutely dog crap. I actually don't know what he thinks about Jurassic World, the first one. I think he just thinks it's fine, it's nothing really horrifically bad, but he just doesn't care for it. Then Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom... He despises because of the ending and the premise that it sets up there. And he did not really care for this movie based off of what the premise sets up at the end of Fallen Kingdom, which he believes is going to be what this one follows off of. So because it's connected to that ending, he doesn't like this movie going into it. That is what I heard. But as for me, you know, I like the first Jurassic Park. And I haven't seen a single one after it except for Jurassic World. I just never got around to it. But Jurassic Park 1 is very good. It's very enjoyable. It's it's very good movie. We have a still from it for our thumbnail. But I like Jurassic Park 1. And Jurassic World is just whatever to me. It's not a franchise that I'm deeply in love with or care so deeply about to get up in arms about it personally. But that is just my opinion. Jay saying colon or no colon. I would say do colon. I think if you're going to have a subtitle, you should do a colon. I just want to see the Jurassic franchise take a plan of the apes route. I think we're going to get Jurassic Park and Fast and Furious. Eventually. The way that we're supposed to get MIB 23, uh, which never came out, I imagine that we'll get a Jurassic Park and Fast and Furious crossover at some point. I love the first one. I don't care enough to talk about the sequels. I've seen them. That would most likely be my take as well. Um, what was I going to say? Nick was talking about Two Towers. I'll mention here quickly. Me and my friends did do a two... We did an entire Lord of the Rings marathon extended versions last Sunday. Yeah, last Sunday we did it. And that was fun. And I have texted the group chat because I've seen this... Because I've seen those movies so many times. I consistently fall asleep during Two Towers. I don't know what it is about that movie. I just never seem to fail to fall asleep. And guess what? I fell How did that not pop up towers. during our sleep combo? <laughs> two Towers? How I fall asleep during Two Towers? It is intrinsically, it's intrinsically part of your sleep schedule is Two Towers at this point. It, it pretty much is. <laughs> and I was literally like, all right, I'm going to stay up. I'm going to keep my eyes focused on there. I was in the beanbag, and I just fell asleep. It happens. I don't know why, but <laughs> Two Towers, consistently, it's always in the middle, and I always just fall asleep during then. It no, might okay. be because I wake up, I have the adrenaline of, all right, we're going to watch Lord of the Rings. Then after we've gotten through those four hours, I'm like, okay, I can chill out for a little bit. We're in it now. And then I just fall asleep. But then I wake up for Return of the King because I'm like, all right, we're almost over. <laughs> I was going to say, to be fair, I've never watched them all in one day like you always do. So I don't I don't lag in the middle like you do in that sense. I give them I give them all enough time to breathe. I watch them one day over three straight days is what I do. So I never get that point where I'm getting exhausted of them. No, our version of breathing was like an hour of switch sports. And that was <laughs> yeah. Herman uh, with some sacrilege saying he doesn't think this is even as top 10 for Spielberg. Legitimately, I'm not even judging you. I'd like to see what your Spielberg ranking is because I'm curious now because even before this was my favorite movie period, this still would have been in my, in the upper echelon of Spielberg for me. But I don't even know if I have... Probably has like Tintin in there. Oh, he's got Tintin in there. He's got Ready Player One. 
he's got always 1941 all the, all, all, all the big hits okay the post is pretty good the post is pretty good i like yeah. the post yeah uh, the ending just, of the post is hilarious but on, but yeah. movie as a whole pretty good where they set up yeah where they set up, they, uh, they set up for the, the watergate Men. sequel <laughs> yeah yeah that came out years before uh-huh only 40 years before um anyway yeah. uh, back to jurassic world back to jurassic world yep take it you were talking about jurassic park 3 yeah, Jurassic Park 3 I don't really care for. It's watchable, but it is by far the least interesting to even think about. Like that movie just doesn't exist in my brain. I think about it and I'm like, I think I think about it and I'm like, yeah, oh yeah, Samuel came back for that one. And that's kind of all that I ever remember. Uh, anyway, uh, Jurassic World 1, you thought I hated. I don't hate. I actually liked it the couple times I saw it, but I haven't watched it in many years. And my whole outlook on movies has changed since the last time I watched that movie. So I don't expect to like it if I go back to it. Fallen Kingdom, I've talked about enough. I hate Fallen Kingdom. It doesn't like make me mad. It's just a stupid movie that I thought I just hated. Like, it doesn't occupy much space in my brain. But when I do think about it, I'm like, God, that movie sucked. But I like to think I don't really approach these movies in the way that angry Star Wars fans or whoever approach the movies like that, that they don't care for. It's like, these don't ruin my childhood or anything. For one, I didn't see Jurassic Park until I was like 15. Like, they don't ruin my childhood. They don't ruin the older movies for me. It's just, oh, it's a bad movie. That happens. You know, it's just the fact that now the series is batting with more hits than misses, of, or misses than hits at this point, which happens. Not, not every franchise is perfect, but it's got two movies that I love, especially the first movie. So I'm still going to give all these movies a shot, if nothing else. I don't feel obligated to, but I want them to be better. And uh, spoilers, they're not better. Uh, Jurassic Park or Jurassic World Dominion was pretty bad. Who would have foreseen that? I don't know. There were no signs that this movie was going to be bad. Harley's saying you haven't sent you haven't sent Bryce Dallas Howard death threats. Uh, no, no, Bryce Dallas Howard does not deserve death threats. None of them deserve death. No threats. one deserves okay, not death the threats. Little, not the actress that plays Maisie. Not Blue the dinosaur. Not her child. We'll leave it at that. Okay. But no one deserves death threats. <laughs> Yeah, Sam Neill, Jeff Goldblum, Laura Dern definitely do not deserve death threats either. Yeah, which I don't think they're going to be anybody's problem with this movie. No, the the only thing that I've seen has been, well, I know what the movie's about, so yeah. I know like the main issue that people have with it. Yeah. But the OG trilogy, the OG cast has been the thing that people have said that's the best part. Yeah. Which I don't even know if I would necessarily say they as a whole are the best part. I feel like that's more of a by default answer because. It's, yes. it's not that I think this movie's well, it's not good for sure. It's not necessarily that it's actively terrible in a ridiculously dumb way like Fallen Kingdom was to me. It's just sort of apathy I had the whole way watching. Like there's never a point where I was emotionally invested in anything. I don't care about the new characters at all. The old characters don't really have much to do. And the new the new plot line they introduce feels totally out of left field and it's got a character that was technically in jurassic park but it's a different actor and it's been so long that like that character didn't, re didn't really have a chance to establish a new personality so i've got no attachment to anything that's really happening in this movie the the only stuff that they really carry through is the stuff that i thought was dumb from fallen kingdom so nothing that's really happening on screen is in any way engaging to me and like just from a plot standpoint nothing that was happening was going to get me hooked and the filmmaking and the overall quality of the writing just doesn't do enough to engage me beyond that. The first Jurassic World, which I would say, even though I liked it when I watched it, I 
was obviously like, this is really dumb, but it's dumb fun in a way that I don't think Fallen Kingdom got. Fallen Kingdom was just dumb, and this movie is just kind of dull, I would say. It wasn't that I was actively getting angry watching it, thinking it was so bad. It's just, this isn't exciting. This isn't fun. This is just me watching a screen, seeing characters I used to like just kind of there. They don't really have, they don't really get a chance to show any personality off. Like Jeff Goldblum finally gets to show off some personality in the third act and he does his shtick and it's fun, but it's not memorable in the same way that Jurassic Park's memorable. There's not really much to it. Yeah, there's just nothing really going on in this movie. There's, it actually, people were worried about spoilers, I think, uh, in our Wang, the Wenger Show chat last night, but really there's not much in this movie to actually spoil because nothing of consequence really ends up happening. The major consequences from the end of Fallen Kingdom where the dinosaurs are brought into the real world and they just, they're roaming free now, that doesn't really factor into this movie at all. Even though I didn't like the direction that Fallen Kingdom went, I almost feel a bit more offended that they didn't just fall through with on that creative direction. Because I think a totally chaotic movie where dinosaurs were in the real world for the first time, in the modern world, I should say, for the first time, interacting with everybody and people had to learn to live with them. The chaos of that, if it took place right after Fallen Kingdom, I think would make it at least to be an enjoyable chaotic movie. But this movie isn't really chaotic because there's just not much happening. When you start, all the dinosaurs have pretty much already been herded to one place, and that sort of relieves a lot of the tension out of that. And you also know, okay, everybody has to end up in this one place by the end. It seemed obvious where the movie was going, and it was constantly waiting to finally get there. And once the third act finally hits, it gets a bit more enjoyable because everyone converges finally, and there's also some actual dino action happening, which the dinos are missing from a lot of this movie, but we can get to that in the spoiler section. But yeah, just not as offensively bad as the last one, I would say, but there's just nothing to it. This is a totally unmemorable movie to me. I've forgotten a lot of the details about it already. I took a bunch of notes before we started just so I could remember what to talk about. And yeah, just I came and say it was disappointing because I didn't expect any better. I just expected it to be actively worse than it was. And it was just kind of nothing. Those are my spoiler free thoughts. Are you fine if I get into spoilers? Go ahead. Get into spoilers. I don't care. I'll probably see this movie at some point with my mom this weekend or something like that. Okay. Go ahead. So get into them. I'll count down from five, then I'll get into spoilers. So if anyone needs to go, that's your warning. Uh, five, four, three, two, one. Spoiler time. So the main plot of this movie has nothing to do with dinosaurs. The main plot of this movie is that there is an evil, an evil corporation from Dodgson, uh, Dodgson from Jurassic Park One, the guy who talks to Wayne Knight in his first scene. Uh, he has his own company called Biosyn, and to uh, get all the money and all the profit, he wants... <sighs> I can't even remember this now. So it's... There's locusts, right? Big locusts, and they're eating all the crops except the biosyn crops. And I think the idea is that he wants all the farmers to buy biosyn crops so locusts don't eat them. Basically, he wants to control the food supply of the world and yield all the profit from it, is his idea. <laughs> Harley... <laughs> Harley is once again surprised that Tobey Maguire is in No Way Home. Um, anyway, these locusts are actually the main plot of the movie. Ellie Sattler, played by Laura Dern, comes back into the fold when she visits a farm where the locusts attack. And for whatever reason, she thinks the one man for the job, she needs a witness to go find these locusts and figure out what's happening, is Alan Grant, who she hasn't talked to in 20 years. And they have a really weird relationship. So for some reason, she's like, Alan Grant's the guy for the job, even though this has nothing to do with dinosaurs. 
So they reunite, and it's a really awkward reunion. Not awkward in, like, the cutesy fun. We know these characters used to be together, but they haven't seen each other in a long time. Awkward. It's just something's off, and I think it's particularly with Sam Neill in this movie. He just seemed off. I kind of thought he was terrible in this movie, and I love Sam Neill, especially as Alan Grant, but he just didn't have it in this movie. Laura Dern was, like, as good as she always is, but their chemistry was off, and Sam Neill as a whole was kind of off, so that dynamic wasn't really working in this movie. They go to Biosyn, and Ian Malcolm's working there as their in-house philosopher, which Dodgson says is he wants someone in-house to challenge him, and Ian, who has been vehemently against pretty much everything that this company and everyone else in the history of Jurassic Park has been doing is uh, working for them because he has five kids that he has to support. And that's the only that's the only reason you get for why he's working for the bad guys. And all he's doing there is just speaking engagements, I guess. Anyway, it's the flimsy. Long story short, it's the flimsiest possible way to get all three of those people back involved in the plot. And they're off doing their own thing at Biosyn while the clone girl from Fallen Kingdom gets kidnapped She's been living off the grid with Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard as her parents. And uh, Blue, the raptor, the one remaining raptor that Chris Pratt was training uh, in Jurassic World, somehow j lives right by them. And she has a daughter who was somehow born. She uh, she somehow gave birth. And she has a baby who they call Beta. And you're supposed to get the sense that Beta and this clone girl are the same because they're sort of immaculate conceptions, if you will. So you're supposed to draw parallels between them. And those two get kidnapped and they get taken to Biosyn. So Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard have to go to Biosyn. And in the third act, they finally converge and it gets a bit more enjoyable at that point, I will say. Uh, you finally see the, the, the two old and new cast kind of converge, but there's like... There's no spark there because Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard's characters are so nothing, even though we've had three movies to establish them. Like, there's just nothing memorable about them. There's just nothing to them, and there's no magic there when the two casts converge. So that kind of sucked. But we finally get some dino action there. We get the T-Rex a little bit. We only get, like, one actual dinosaur fight. It's the T-Rex versus, I'm going to hope I say it right, the uh, Giganotosaurus, which I had to hear about five times before I actually knew what it was called, because everyone says it so fast. So that was weird. But yeah, the actual fight scene is very brief. And my main problem with this movie is that that scene sort of indicative of the main problem is <laughs> I'm just dunking on this movie, Jay says. I'm just actually recounting what happens mostly. But <sighs> yeah. The main problem with this movie is that it do it seems like it actively does not want to give you dinosaurs, and that it only does so begrudgingly. It feels like Colin Trevorrow and everyone else involved in this movie creatively has this idea of what they want these movies to be now, and dinosaurs are not involved with them. They want this story to be about genetic engineering and how it can be used for good and for bad, and they use Jurassic Park as a jumping-off point to get to that. It's about this clone girl, it's about the locusts, it's about how you can use this for good and for evil. So Biosyn's using it for good, but Dr. Wu, who's inside Biosyn, or Biosyn's using it for evil, but Dr. Wu is inside the company. He's trying to use it for good. It's just weird because the whole point of Jurassic Park was that it's unwise to play God, especially if you don't have the discipline to do so, which John Hammond clearly didn't. He had a lofty idea and he had the money to do it, but he was obsessed with the idea of just doing it. And that's kind of the whole point of Jurassic Park. But I feel like we've gotten way past the point of that now to the point that this movie doesn't even feel like it knows what it wants to say. It wants to have its cake and eat it too. So the genetic engineering is bad because 
you can basically destroy the world if you have these locusts that end up destroying its food supply, but it's also good because you can use it to solve genetic defects, which is what we learned happens with the clone girl, is that her mother actually created her as a perfect replacement almost. A, she couldn't have a, ch a child because of her genetic defect, and it also ended up killing her really young. She was able to clone her daughter, and using the science, she made it so that she didn't have the same birth defect. So she was able to live a normal life that her daughter was able to live a normal life that she could never have. And they ultimately use this science to help solve the locust problem at the end of the movie. But the locust problem and the dinosaur stuff on the island are pretty much unrelated. They don't really interact. And once the characters escape from the dinosaurs on the island, then they just resolve the locust stuff really easy. So all of that is to say that this movie is a fucking mess and none of it really gets brought together very well. And it definitely loses sight of the original point of Jurassic Park which I think even Jurassic World is a bit more understanding of than these two newest movies are, uh, because even that movie is like, they made the same mistake that John Hammond made, but they they went further with it and they endangered far more people in the process, and it got them shut down, as it should have. I feel like Jurassic World, the first one, is more understanding of the overall point of Jurassic Park than these two movies are. These two movies have strayed so far off the beaten path in terms of what the point of Jurassic Park is that I can't roll with them for that reason, and on, that's on top of the fact that these movies just kind of fucking suck now, which is disappointing because I'm not, like, mad about these movies existing, but I would prefer if they were good. That's all I can say. So, did Marcus show up at any point during this movie? <laughs> you know, did, did Maria, did Dom, any of them show up? I guess you'll have to go see it to find out. That I will not spoil. Hmm. What you're telling me is that Dave Batista comes in with a bunch of armor <laughs> and he starts yelling at Ian Malcolm and says, Malcolm, get down! I'm not I'm not saying that, but I'm not not saying that. Mm, interesting. Jay interesting. asks, was it even a dino movie? No, it really wasn't. Again, I feel like this movie actively avoids integrating dinosaurs into the main plot as much as possible. It has them show up doing very superficial stuff a lot of the time. I feel like to give you the illusion that they're important to the movie. Like, there is a couple scenes early on where the little clone girl, like, she's helping uh, guide these two brachiosauruses, I think, uh, out of town with a flare. And there's a scene right before that, I think, where Chris Pratt is herding and uh, catching wild dinosaurs. I don't remember what, what uh, species they are, but, like, it's stuff like that, that but it doesn't actually add up into the plot at all. So it feels like they need excuses to show to show dinosaurs in the movie. And it feels like this movie was almost not even written as a dinosaur movie. And then in the second like in the second revision, they were like, oh, we can turn this into a Jurassic World movie with a few little tweaks. I don't think that's how it actually was, but it really feels like that with how much of an afterthought the dinosaurs feel like in this. Which, I don't need constant dinosaur screen time, but I also need to feel like they're helping drive the plot forward. Which, they do in all the other movies before this. Even Fallen Kingdom. Like, the whole point of that is getting them off the island, and then the whole black market dealings that they do with them in Fallen Kingdom. They're still integral to the plot, and I feel like they were set up to be really integral to this movie's plot, because they're out in the world, in the modern world, for the first time. But they just resolve that off-screen for the most part. And until everyone finally gets to the one place where the dinosaurs are all at. So, yeah, all that to say, not really a dino movie, Jay. But can you talk about the feathers? There's one dinosaur with some feathers in there, and he's really cool. He's got long claws and stuff, and he stabs the Giganotosaurus at the end to kill it. He and the T-Rex win a handicap match against the Giganotosaurus. There's one dino that has some there feathers. You go, folks. I think there are more more with feathers in that uh, prologue, that, that like eight-minute prologue they made that played before F9 last year. 
but that's not in the movie at all. So, and honestly, it didn't really yeah. need to be because of how unimportant the dinosaurs actually are to the movie. A whole eight minute sequence of them millions and millions of years ago seems sort of superfluous. So from that standpoint, I can see why they cut it if it was actually meant to be in the movie at one point. Elena asked me what my f- what my favorite new dino was earlier. I don't even remember which ones were new, to be perfectly honest with you. None of them made an impression on me. If there were new ones, I didn't notice them as new ones that I thought were really cool. I guess the one with the feathers and the claws, whichever whatever one it was called, I guess that was cool because they actually treated it as a scary one that actually got to do some cool stuff at the end. The thing that kind of like confuses me is that Trevor said, oh yeah, we have to do Fallen Kingdom to get to this movie. You don't. Which we all assumed was dinosaurs in the wild. Yes. Because I think that's what he said he wanted to do. Yeah. So it's weird that, that he said that years ago. And then we get to this one, and it's like, nah, I'm just joking. It's about locusts and about big uh, big farming. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Again, even though I think it was a stupid creative direction, I would have appreciated this more if it just followed through on that direction, for better or for worse. It would have at least made more sense as a logical follow-up. Again, I think if it took place shortly after that, the ending of that movie, um, it would have made more sense, and you actually if you would have approached it from the sense of it's pure chaos and people are trying to learn how to adapt to living with dinosaurs that could have had some interesting stuff to deal with. And I think you could have organically called in experts like Ellie Sattler and Alan Grant to speak at the Senate or wherever and being like, this is what you need to do. Like just like PSA public announcements being like, if you see this such and such dinosaur, this is how you need to interact with them. Or this is how you, this is what you have to do to avoid being eaten by them. Just basic stuff like that makes more sense of getting, in terms of a way of getting those characters involved if you absolutely have to, which you don't have to, but they were always going to in these movies because that's just the way movies are. But yeah, they decided to just go in a totally different creative direction than they were setting up, which I feel like happens after each of these. It felt like it happened from Jurassic World 1 to Fallen Kingdom, and it felt like that happened again from Fallen Kingdom to Dominion. Now, would you say this is better or worse than Rise of Skywalker? Because <laughs> they both have the issue of something gets set up yeah. and they don't follow through on it. I think this is probably better overall. In terms of pissing me off, this would piss me off less. But it's, again, it's really dull. It's two and a half hours. It doesn't need to be. It totally drags in the middle. Like, it's never particularly engaging, but it definitely is least interesting in the middle. I don't know, because I haven't watched Rise of Skywalker in a couple years, but I think that one might be more watchable than this, but it's worse than this, for sure. Same with Fallen Kingdom. Understandable. Fallen Kingdom is probably more entertaining as a whole to watch, but it's way stupider. Understandable. Jay asked if this was the movie that Chevrolet compared to the to Joker. Yes, and I literally have no idea. Oh, he said the uh, Giganotosaurus, the new big bad dinosaur, was like Joker. And after watching the movie, what the fuck was he talking about? Does anybody know? Anybody in the chat that saw the movie? Do you have any idea what he could possibly have meant by this? Or if it was just some bullshit? I bet it was some bullshit. I don't know how you compare a dinosaur to Joker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, life finds a way, Manny. Life finds a way. <sighs> well, I don't have anything to add to this conversation. My voice so. is tired from talking about that movie for a half hour straight. If you have more stuff you want to talk about, if there is anything you watch that you'd like to discuss or bring up. I can talk about what my June has been like because I watched a lot of movies. For me, I watched a lot of movies in June. Uh, let me go to my diary. My diary. Alright. Let's go to my diary, too. I watched Minari. That was a very pleasant film to watch. 
I'm glad that I've. Did you see it? Heard it's great. Wanted to see it really bad. Oh my god! <laughs> I forgot that you haven't seen it. I literally yeah. remembered as I was saying it that you haven't seen this movie yet. Yeah, uh, that was that was one hype. that I meant to watch when I got I I got a Showtime trial from buying an AEW ticket recently, and Minari was the one that I forgot to watch before that trial ended. So I still have not seen Minari. Minari's good. I That's highly recommend it. That's a good one to watch. Apparently, Steven Yun, mm-hmm. apparently his Korean is not good. So take that for what it is. But I thought he gave a good performance in general. Okay. I watched Moonlight, which is another really good movie. It's really great. Can't wait to see what he does with Lion King. Oh, oh, you said Moonlight. If I said Moon Knight, I'm like, wait, that's not a movie. No, I saw Moonlight. <laughs> that makes more sense. I'm like, the Moon Knight guy is making a Lion King movie? No, Barry Jenkins is. <laughs> yes, uh, I have no interest whatsoever in whatever that Lion King movie is going to be. But Moonlight's fantastic. And If Beale Street Can Talk is also great. Did he do that one too? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know. I'll watch that one next. Yeah, those are the. that was the last movie he did. He did a show on Prime Video last year or the year before called The Underground Railroad, which I heard was fantastic, but it got totally buried. Like, no one talked about it. Which happens. Yeah, that's that's streaming for you. Then I watched The Grand Budapest Hotel. Great movie. Very delightful film. Ray Fiennes, one of my favorite performances of all time in that movie. It's very good. Love this him. one was much more my speed compared to French Dispatch. See, I find those two to be pretty similar in a lot of ways, so that's interesting. I can see it kind of, but I, but this one was just way more for me. Speaking of things that weren't for me, Lady Bird didn't oh. work for me. Oh, that one hurt when you said that. And then Elena agreed with you and that hurt more. It did... It, it is this your king is lady bird your king yes i don't know like i hear a lot of people say like oh it's like the voice of a generation it really defines what it is to be a teenager and all this other stuff. and i'm like not for me it was very much just it didn't work i found it kind of just boring at certain parts um didn't really get into it and it's hard because i've been hearing about this the hype for this movie for five years so I was already kind of like jaded towards it. So I understand that my bias is already there. But even if I didn't have a bias, I don't think that I would have liked it regardless. I watched it at the Best Picture Showcase uh, with a couple of other movies that were nominated that year when it came out. And I had heard all the hype for it at that point that it's like the movie with the most reviews before getting its first negative review on Rotten Tomatoes, I think, was the accolade it had. They really had to come up with a better way to say that. But um, yeah, it had 100% for a long time. And like everyone was just raving about it. It had no chance of actually winning best picture that year, but everyone loved it. And I was sort of floored at how much I loved it. And then a couple years later, I watched it again. I'm like, it won't be as magical as that first time. And then I enjoyed it even more. Like that's a, that's an easy five star movie for me. And I couldn't even tell you, like, I can't necessarily relate to all the stuff that's happening in that movie, but I just felt attached to it. I felt attached to her. I felt attached to the uh, relationship with her and her mother, like all that stuff. All the stuff in that movie worked for me, even though I can't necessarily say I related to all of it. It's just something about I think it. Mm. I think it's just the actors. Like all those actors are fantastic. I think the chemistry with everybody just makes that movie fly by for me. It's over before I know it. Maybe I'll watch it again at some point later down in the road, but I don't know. It, it, none of her movies have seen like something for me, which is perfectly fine. There are a lot of directors like that, but it's just one of those things where I want to like her but none of her projects are things that i want to watch i wasn't interested in little woman until i watched it and then i loved it like i was i 
the only reason I ever went to see that was because of Goodwill from Lady Bird, but the actual Little Women story didn't really ever do much for me. I never read it, but it just didn't, like, as a kid, I was just like, oh, it's for girls, and I didn't really think about it again, but I watched it, and the movie was excellent. It's not even that. The story just doesn't seem like something that I would like. Yeah, I felt the same, and then I watched it, and I'm like, you made that more engaging than it had any right to be. Everyone's different. Uh-huh. Then, let's see, I rewatched Spider-Verse because it was Spider-Man's 60th birthday. Rewatched the Lord of the Rings films. Rewatched Top Gun Maverick. I watched Alita Battle Angel. Sorry to hear Finally. That. It's fine. Yeah, it's kind of what I heard. It is what it is. I was disappointed by that one because I was hoping that I would like it more. But I think it starts off really good, and then it kind of falls off towards the end. Like, I'd say the last 40 minutes or so lost me, hmm. but it has a good energy at the beginning, and I think it carries through until about maybe, like, halfway through the movie, and then at a certain point, I just start to not really care for it. And then there's one more movie that I saw that I know you saw that we can talk about for a little bit, but I don't know if you want to mention anything else that you watched. Yeah, I will mention briefly. I did see Top Gun Maverick a second time in Dolby. I don't think I'll see it a third time uh, at this point, uh, but watching it in Dolby was fantastic feeling feeling my uh my seat shake every time the jets flew by was just wonderful wonderful movie's great scientology works i rewatched prometheus and alien covenant i still like them both covenant i particularly enjoy i don't know if you've seen any of the alien movies not really no f okay alien covenant i really like prometheus is still good that's my opinion i'm gonna watch alien again soon the first alien i fucking love uh, I rewatched Casablanca, which is still great. A Stone Cold classic, If as if you had any doubt. Uh, a new thing I watched. I watched Crimes of the Future, the new Cronenberg movie, which uh, I've been... De- surgery is the new sex. Yeah, surgery is the new sex. That's right. Um, I've been talking to Elena about this movie, and you are in that three-person DM, so you see all the, all the stuff we talk about. And it's funny how every new thing you see about that movie makes it seem less and less for you. I thought the movie would not be for me either, but I actually really liked it, because... It really isn't too much of a body horror movie, which, like, body horror doesn't gross me out, but I usually am just, like, sort of whatever about it. It doesn't really have an effect on me either way. This movie isn't really that much about it. It's not not very gross, necessarily. Um, I think there's just a good story at the core of it. There's a clear message. There's a clear allegory. If you want to see it, I think it's there for you to look at and examine. And I just really liked it all the way through. I love the performances. Kristen Stewart plays the weirdest character I've ever seen her play. Uh, you you sent a video of her performance and you asked, is this real? Is this sped up at all? Or is it slowed down at all? And I'm like, nope, that's her. She's just a wacky little character in, in that movie. And I love it. Uh, Crimes of the Future is really solid. I would uh, I would say if you have reservations about it because you don't really like horror or body horror, I would say you could still give this one a shot. I don't think it's too creepy, too creepy to the extent that you would be totally turned off by it. It just doesn't really seem like my thing. Yeah, I don't think you'll care for it necessarily, but I think if you don't care for it, it won't necessarily be for the reasons that you would initially expect for a movie like that. Shout out to Richard who watched RRR the other day. More people need to watch RRR. I can't. It's hard I to say that. It's, from it. it's hard to say the, the the letter three times in a row. I struggle with it every time I say it. RRR. RRR. I got to say it really slow so I can enunciate each letter. Can you say Gemma Arterton? Gemma Arterton. Weird. Mm. Anyway, great movie. Thank you, Richard. Uh, no, I'm done with my stuff. We want to talk about Hustle? Yeah, we can talk about Hustle. What a fun little movie. Hustle and Flow, the movie starring Terrence Howard. No, I'm kidding. We're talking about Hustle, the Adam Sandler film. 
full of product placement in every sense of the word. That was a f- hilarious opening <laughs> montage. That movie paid for itself within the first five minutes. The rest of the movie is really good, though. I like it. I like it. Yeah. I like it, too. Yeah, it doesn't take itself too seriously, but also you get, you get some serious Sandler in there. It's not... You know, it's not happy mass. Even though it's a happy mass and joint, it's uh, not your usual happy mass and comedy from Sandler, which I appreciate. I hope this yeah, is. It's not like as serious as Punch Drunk. But... No, 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 no. Or or Uncut Gems. It's not not even close yeah. to that. But no, it's a good it's a good middle ground for him. He doesn't he doesn't do his stupid poopy humor. It's you know, I feel like you get to see how he's naturally funny a lot of times in this movie, which you don't necessarily get in those other movies. And you also he also gets to flex his serious chops a lot. This one didn't feel like it was writing jokes. It just felt like this is a thing that would happen. Yeah, yeah, I'm totally with you. As someone who's not a sports fan, how did you take to the sports stuff in this movie? I like sports films. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't like sports, but I like sports films. I, l- so, I love a good sports film. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I love me a good sports film as well. Yeah. And this is another one that, that I liked. Yeah, and I like that all the basketball players in the movie are basketball are actual, are basketball, actual basketball, players. basketball players, and they picked some good ones as far as acting in it. Anthony Edwards, who was the number one draft pick a year or two ago, he is great. He's the asshole that keeps getting in our... He's uh, the little shit. Yeah, f- fucking hate that guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's so he's so good. <laughs> yeah, he was good in this one. Yeah, no, every, everyone's good in this Wancho movie. Wancho Sanchez? Wancho... Wancho, Wancho Ernan Gomez. Yeah, Ernan Gomez. Wancho he is plays great. the main... Yeah. He plays the main guy. Yeah, he's great. He's got a good dynamic with Sandler. Um, it's just fun. Like it's again, it's not, it's not an overly goofy movie. It's not an overly serious movie, but it's fun. Like just all the way through. It's it's too- a nice middle ground. Yeah, it's like it's right at two hours, but I didn't feel like it was dragging him really at any point. There's a little bit. Of, there's a little bit you could cut about it. Uh, you could cut out of yeah. it, but yeah, all in all, I I really enjoyed it. Th- okay, thoughts on Ben Foster's bald cap. <laughs> Oh my god, I hated that thing so much. I looked at Ben Foster, I'm like, you look ridiculous. <laughs> just just give him hair. F- find a picture and put it on Twitch right now of him in the bald cap. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that bald cap, I'm like, ew. Uh, yeah. Let me see. Hustle Ben Foster. Images. Uh, the one thing while I'm looking for this, the one thing that I will say is that I, I kind of agree with people that the ending didn't really land for me. It felt kind of weak at uh, the end of the movie. It was kind of abrupt. But but I bought into the rest of it enough to where I'm like, okay, I'm done yeah. with this. Yeah, it felt like it actually reached its natural ending. And then what we got was an epilogue that was like, felt like a special feature epilogue, which is meant to give you a happier ending of the movie than you actually got. I think you could have easily ended it after the game and then just sort of come to your own conclusion about what happens after that yeah but they do give you that extra like five minutes of yeah all right here's what happened after to yeah. see yeah i do like that final scene though i at least like what it represents like they both like yes i, I guess i won't spoil it but yeah but it ends in a way that you can both see it coming but makes sense mm-hmm. and it ends a little bit differently than you might think yeah not that it's like oh, it's a twist ending or anything like that. No. But it, it does change it a little bit to where you're like, oh, okay. It's just like, oh, they didn't go with the easiest way out, which I appreciate. No, they they treated it like, no, this is probably what would happen. Yeah. Which I liked. Okay, I have a side profile of the <laughs> okay. Foster's face. I couldn't find an actual image, 
Okay. So I'm just going to do display capture. I'll see it in six hey, to look, ten there seconds. There we go. So there's Ben Foster's head right there. We can <laughs> probably like unmute. Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> oh man. Uh there we go. That that was a that was a good one right there. Look at look at that. <laughs> Ugh. I hate it. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> you know what he looks like? Yeah. You know what he looks like? He reminds me of uh, Seth Green in the last scene of Austin Powers in Goldmember when he shaves his head to be like his dad. I could see it. <laughs> Even though Seth Green doesn't have the beard. That's just what he reminds me of. Those are the vibes. Yeah. Look at that. No, yeah. That makes sense. But Hustle, I think it's perfectly fine. Good movie. Yeah. It's one that I liked about as much as I thought I would. I bought. A, yep. I actually did like uh, Queen Latifah and his relationship in the movie. Mm-hmm. So that's another one where I'm like, all right. Good job, Sandman. I'd rather him make this than another hateful, not hateful eight. What is it? Ridiculous six. Ridiculous six. Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather him make another one of these. And it helps that you know that Sandler loves basketball. So you can tell the care that they put into this specifically around basketball. So yeah. Yeah. That's something else that I appreciated. This was right up his alley. He got to. Oh, actually, I was going to. I just realized he didn't really have any of his actual like actor friends in the movie that he usually has. Nope. I was gonna say. There I was, was gonna no say flashback to to Kevin James or no. anything like that. <laughs> Spade doesn't show up. We don't get a cameo from Robert. What, what's his name? Rob Schneider. Yeah, Rob Schneider. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Well, I was gonna say he got to talk to all his friends, but unless unless he knows all these people from like being a basketball fan his whole life, which he probably does. I was gonna say it's not. He probably it's, does. It's not a usual Adam Sandler friend hangout movie in that sense either. It's not. It's one of those things where early on I was like, oh, okay, so Sandman's just going to be portrayed as this awesome dude and, like, the typical Sandler thing of, oh, he's infallible or anything like that. So there were times where it's like, oh, yeah, whatever his character's name was, I already forgot, but uh, they call him, like, Double Deuce or something like that. They're oh, what like, the fuck's his name? Oh, yeah. This, this Stanley? Stanley? Stanley Sugarman. What a name. Stanley Sugarman. <laughs> Stanley Sugarman. They're like, yeah, man, Sugarman saved my life. Sugarman's <laughs> the best person you'll ever meet and all those other things. I'm like, all right. Okay, Sandler. I know what you're doing. The one I enjoyed most was uh, when he called Dirk Nowitzki in the game. This is when he was still in Spain trying to recruit uh, Juancho. Yeah, when, when and, he's and, at his house. Yeah, and, and he was like, ta- I don't know he, who that is. Yeah, he was talking shit, and then he's like, nah, he's he's the best guy ever, guy. He's the best guy ever. You want, you want to talk to this guy? And I'm like, of course. Everyone loves Sandler. I can believe that they are probably saying that about Sandler because I've never heard a bad thing about Sandler. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, okay, come on. We got to <laughs> have something with these characters. Yeah. Ultimately, you like Sandler enough. You buy into it. It yep. works fine. It's yeah. not going to bother you. Yeah. No, I was a fan of it. I would say even if you're not a huge sports person, this is a totally watchable movie. If you're looking for something to watch, something new, it's on Netflix. You can do a lot worse than this. I think some of the editing for the montages pissed me off a little bit. I think there might have been one too many montages, but... Yeah, there were quite a few montages. Whatever. I think you can probably cut one of them. Yeah. Or there's one that is about to end, and then it starts up again. And I'm like, <laughs> did we really need that? I think we we got the point. We need to have another basketball game for him to go up against and be scared. <laughs> now I'm just getting nitpicky. I did yeah, like the movie overall. Yeah. Yeah. If you, want, if you want an area where they could have trimmed it down a little bit, it's that. Overall, it was good. I yeah. enjoyed it. I wish Robert Duvall was in it more. He's gone within the first 20 minutes. He's out of the movie. The first, yeah, he's yeah. out. 
pretty early. I did see tall basketball player when he was, I think, in Germany or Russia or something like that. And so I'm sure people went, oh, look, it's the basketball guy. I went, oh, look, it's the giant from John Wick 3. Oh, fuck, he's in John Wick 3. That's right. He is, yeah. Not, yeah, okay. I think I recognized him from that more than I did from basketball. Yeah. So when they got to the credits and he was a basketball player, I'm like, that makes sense. But my first thought was John Wick 3. Yeah. Because I, I knew that they were casting basketball players uh-huh. for for the movie. So I'm like, okay, I'm sure all of these people surrounding Sandman are basketball people, minus Ben Foster and his sister uh-huh. in the movie, and Queen Latifah. But everyone else, I just assumed, were basketball players, basketball legends. Yeah. But except for him. Most of them are not actors, but a lot of them have, like, like Kenny Smith, who played his his friend, the Asian guy. Um, his friend? Yeah. yeah. He's, he's like, he's on TNT on their panel, but he's the only one who, like, wasn't playing himself. He was playing a different character. But, like, he gets a lot to do. Everyone else just kind of has, like, a scene or two. I said, we said this in the DMs. I was surprised that Stephen A wasn't there. Because yeah. Because I just sort of assumed basketball Stephen A from my mm-hmm. goopy not watching basketball brain. So that was one where I'm like, really? No Steven? Talking about this new kid? But whatever. Yeah. And then when he said that, I realized I'm pretty sure there's no ESPN employees in that movie. I don't know if... Because Skip wasn't there either. Well, Skip doesn't work for ESPN. He works for Fox. Um, oh. But yeah, but it's like I know. all the guys who work for TNT, which is a War- uh, Warner Brothers company, Warner Brothers owns them, they got to be in the movie. So I'm curious what all the legal dealings were and why some people were in it and some people weren't not that you need more cameos necessarily but it's just if you're looking for the biggest media name you would get Stephen a smith in this particular instance you got anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here i'm trying to think is there anything else i want to talk about no i mean uh, no i can't say it because it's part of my palooza but ah damn something that means a lot to me had a birthday recently or is having its birthday tomorrow okay. so i won't say what it is but it's something that means a lot to me that i will be sharing next week for our little palooza that we Your have is next week that's right DM. yeah i know i got wanger gone wink all y'all are gonna be gone jay saying rip pizza we know we'll get to our thoughts on pizza next week <laughs> yeah so next week we will have hopefully have a commentary if our current plan falls through, then I think you and I will just find another movie to do. Uh, yeah. Just so you guys have something next week. And then week after, so two weeks from right around now, will be a WangerCon recap. I might have someone who went to WangerCon on the show with me for that. We'll have Manny here, too. Don't worry. But I don't know. Will you? I might not show up. That's that's up to you. If you don't want to show up, if you're going to be a bitter little bitch about it, then you can just you can just stay away. That was kind of harsh. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say bitter. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to say bitter, bitter little bitch. Because why not? Why not be an asshole yeah. for no reason? Anyways, <laughs> guys, you can follow us on all of our socials. Hope you guys have a good rest of your night and rest of your week. And we'll talk to you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.